boy, that's uh, that's the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do when you get to a microphone. Uh, bring that music. Yep, down. Yep, yep. Just down a little bit so that the it's easier for us to be heard over it, and then you can slowly let it fade. Good morning. It is uh, Glenn Clark Radio, Tuesday edition of the program. I am Glenn. I think I sound slightly better than I did yesterday, but it's slight. Still working my way back. Still hacking up all sorts of mucusy goodness. You're welcome. Hope you're enjoying your breakfast. A lot to do on the program. Griffin's here uh, once again. A lot to do on the show today. A uh, really special show, in fact. We're going have some fun baseball conversations coming up a little bit later on in the program. P- the great Peter Gammons, of course, a legendary baseball reporter and um, TV personality. He wrote recently for The Athletic about the expectations that Adley Rutschman faces and the big picture for the Orioles and why he's feeling kind of positive about the Orioles of late. And we'll talk about all of that as Peter Gammons joins us a little bit later on this hour. In the 11 a.m. hour, I am extraordinarily excited about this. The, without question, single best story of baseball season just so happens to be Jose Quas, a reliever for the Kansas City Royals. Now, if you're not familiar with Jose Quas, what you should know is once upon a time, Jose Quas was a University of Maryland Terrapin and a third baseman. And then after that, he kind of toiled in the minors and was entirely out of baseball just a few years ago. And in fact, working as a FedEx driver while still training to try to keep the dream alive. Played with an independent league team, got back into baseball, and just uh, like two weeks ago made his major league debut. It's an incredibly inspirational story. The Royals host the Orioles this weekend. We're going to catch up with the former Terp, Jose Quas, later on in the program. And I'm pretty sure that's the only Maryland baseball-related subject we need to discuss this morning. I'm pretty sure that's it. Um, also, today is uh, Tuesday, so we'll get to Simply the Bets. We do it every Tuesday at 11.40 a.m., Simply the Bets, which is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Simply the Bets on Tuesdays, weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. We are going to try to help you make some money betting the NBA Finals. Maybe as we look, uh, half of the Stanley Cup Finals now set. Colorado smokes Edmonton, sweeping them out of the Western Conference. I mean, it wasn't a buck kicking last night. In fact, Colorado had to dramatically rally in the third period in order to force overtime. Actually, they dramatically rallied, took the lead. Then Edmonton scored late to force overtime. But ultimately, the Avalanche, who are loaded, just loaded, were able to... There you go. There we go. That's one. Should probably write those down. Um, they were able to uh, pull off the victory, so they're they're through. They're on to the Stanley Cup final, where they await the winner between the Rangers and Lightning. Game four of that series is tonight, as the Lightning try to even things up at two apiece, while New York tries to take a three-one series lead. So we'll talk about all those things coming up on Simply the Bets as we try to help you make some money. <sighs> Um, heartbreak is the word, but I know for a lot of you, there are other words that are seeping in Maryland baseball in the final of the college park regional, they fall to Yukon 11, eight and are eliminated from the NCAA baseball tournament. 
the the story really is Maryland giving up six runs in the first inning after they had gotten two outs. The story really is Maryland simply running out of pitchers. This goes back to what I was talking about with Dana Hughes yesterday. We don't want to discuss this because it's the way we've done things forever. There's always been these first weekend regionals where teams can play anywhere between three and five games. It's happened forever, and I get it. The idea is if you win your games, you're rewarded. You don't have to play anymore. If you lose, you're going to have to play more. But it's insane. We've never really cared about it much here because Maryland has so rarely been involved. And every now and then, like Coppin was involved this year, but they were out pretty quickly. Towson's been involved. UMBC's been involved. But it's rare. It's rare that you run into this scenario where you simply run out of pitchers or where you do what, say, Oklahoma State did and you just decide you're going to abuse the arm of one of your pitchers and their future be damned. Well, who the hell cares what you want to do with the rest of your life? You're going to go throw 130 pitches for us today after you literally just pitched yesterday. And if that screws you up long term, not my problem. I wanted to try to win a College World Series, so I'm going to worry about that. Maryland ran out of pitching. As is likely to happen when you're playing five critical games, including one that went extra innings just the night before as the second game of a doubleheader. You're probably going to run out of pitching at some point. Now, the rules are the same for Maryland as they are for anybody else, and so I don't feel bad for them because of it. But I do think it's a bigger question that should be debated and discussed by the powers that be within college baseball. Are we past the point where this makes sense? It's tough, right? How else do you get through 64 teams in a baseball tournament? Do you add another week to the season in order to play nothing but regionals or super regionals? I, I don't have those answers. I, I, I don't know. I really don't. But I know that it's not – you can say, hey, you know, don't cry for Maryland. They ran out of pitchers because they lost on Saturday. If they had won on Saturday, they would have played – you know, they – they could have been out of this thing in three games. Fine. I, I, I hear you. But now explain the Oklahoma State thing. And what Maryland could have done is just identified one pitcher and said, we're going to run the crap out of your arm. Screw you. And they didn't do that. And because of it, they suffered. I don't have the right answers. As I said, that's the tagline for GCR. I don't have the answers. Glenn Clark Radio. Tune in to Glenn Clark Radio. I don't have the answers. I know it's a problem, and I know there are smarter people than I that could probably discuss it more at length and say, hey, just because this is how we always have done things, apparently some of us haven't read the short story The Lottery, and it shows. You don't just do things... Because that's the way you do them. You don't just choose someone from the town to literally sacrifice in hopes that it will make your crops better that season. 
Because, hey, that's the way we've always done it. No, you have to justify it. And this is increasingly difficult to justify. The bigger story for everybody else coming out of last night is what happened in the eighth inning. When Maryland had a runner on third base, one out, beat out an infield single that got back them back to within a one run one run, and then suddenly the home plate umpire said, Not so fast. <clears throat> we all saw the play. Um, we all lost our minds. Not all of us were really sure about why we were losing our minds. We we know it was insane, but we don't we didn't dive deep into what the actual rule is and whether it makes sense. And then some people, um, the hipsters, were like, "No, no, letter of the law. This was the right call." And some of us even went as far as, "No, this is always the call. It's a fairly common call." What, what you you guys are just nuts. You guys are just dumb homers. And that's not actually the case. Although some of us probably are dumb homers. That's not what happened last night. So if you're not familiar, weird situation, kind of a chopper up the first baseline, pitcher comes off the mound, pitcher thinks about whether or not there might be a play at home plate. There very much isn't. And so the pitcher now attempts to throw the ball to first base. And I use first base in air quotes that you, if you're not with us on video, don't see because the throw was nowhere near the actual first base. And the more I watched the video while I was arguing with folks last night, I realized what actually happened. The pitcher, in a panic to make a play just threw the ball to the first white shirt that he saw. That white shirt happened to be the second baseman who was a good four to five feet away from first base. The throw was of no threat or no opportunity to get the runner out. The rule that was applied was the rule that says in the second half of your run to the bag, you must run in the outside running lane. And so it was called interference. The funny thing about that is there's another wording in that rule that no one really wanted to address last night. It didn't come up on the broadcast. And even the people that were trying to defend the call, and they were very few, didn't want to talk about it. Um, one of those guys was a guy named Matt who uh, told me that the, the rule is written in college as, the, as, as, as thusly, as thus. I'm a scholar. Quote, if the batter is running illegally to first base and his being outside the lane alters the throw of a fielder, hinders or alters a fielder's opportunity to field the throw, it shall be called interference and the runner is out. To be abundantly clear, that did not happen because the throw was so terrible it had no opportunity to be hindered by the runner 
It had zero chance of getting to first base and retiring the batter. None. None whatsoever. Now, what probably happened, if I had to guess, is either that detail of the rule wasn't being considered by the umpire or when it was looked at on replay, they said, well, maybe if the runner had been in this path, perhaps the throw would have been better. Which is, of course, utterly and completely insane. The idea that if the runner just slides over three inches, suddenly the worst throw I've ever seen would be on target is nuts. The throw was there to be made. The pitcher simply did not realize where he was supposed to be throwing the ball to because he was in a panic and falling down and just wanted to throw the ball to the first white jersey that he saw. That part of the rule, as written, cannot be applied to the play that occurred last night. And it creates a bigger conversation because ultimately, as I said before, this isn't the reason why Maryland lost. Yes, having a runner on first, one out, and down by one in the eighth inning, they would have had a chance. A good chance? I don't know. They still gave up another run, as it turns out. I mean, it, I, I, I don't know how it plays out if they get it. The reason why they lost is because they couldn't pitch. They ran out of pitching. That's why they lost. But these are the dumb things that occur in baseball that never really get addressed. This is very simple. At every level of baseball, fix the rule. Explain to every batter that you must run in this lane or we're going to call you out. And we don't care if you hit a ground rule double. We're going to call you out. Run in the lane or you're out. It's always been there have always been very wonky things about baseball. You can overrun one base, but not the others. And once upon a time, you could barrel into a catcher, but not into a second baseman. A second baseman, you could slide cleats up at and try to spike them. But you couldn't barrel into them. You're only allowed to do that in another base. These are weird baseball things that we've just kind of always dealt with but never actually dealt with. Either a runner's got to run in the running lane or not. Fix the rule. Because the rule as written absolutely should not have been applied last night. There is no justification of it. The throw was atrocious and had no opportunity in order to get the runner out. And as everyone knows, in those situations where the runner is in the bag, you're taught, just throw the ball on his back. If the runner is not giving you a lane by which to throw, throw the ball on his back. The pitcher couldn't have done that last night because he had no control over the throw that he made. It was wildly out of control because he was wildly out of control. But if what had actually happened was that the runner was interfering with his ability to throw the ball to first base, you just throw the ball on his back. Then the call's easy. The runner did prevent you from being able to make the throw. 
the throw you made would have gotten to first base had it not been for the runner in the fielding lane or the throwing lane. But this is abundantly simple. If the rule is supposed to be that the runner runs in the running lane, make that the rule. How hard is this? How far out of our way do we have to go? Make that the rule. If the idea is we are trying to keep players safe, I understand why we say, well, that's why we're not going to adjudicate it if there's no play at first base. If there's no play at first base, it's not a safety issue, so we don't have to worry about it. But clearly, we can't handle the ambiguity. We're not capable of it. These umpires, for the most part, aren't capable of getting the calls right when there's no ambiguity. When it's as simple as, is the ball over the plate or not? We can't handle that. Now you're giving them ambiguity? Now you're creating gray area? Well, hey, there's a rule, but it's only a rule if the throw is in this place. Well, we thought the throw might have been. No, no, they can't handle this. And that's all you can hope for is that in a situation like this, uh, I mean, once you get past the heartbreak and the shock of all of it is that can hopefully bring some, some oh, clarification this is to not, the rule. Stop it. That's not going to happen. This, we've been dealing with this. Griffin, we've been dealing with things like well, this Well, we for dealt eternity. with uh, you know, running into the catcher, spikes up into second base Yeah, but forever, that literally took Buster Posey getting hurt. It took Buster Posey, who was a, a budding superstar in baseball, getting seriously hurt for that rule to change. And likely, I, I said, it would require something similar happening at first base in order for us to finally fix this rule. It would require something along the lines of a superstar first baseman being demolished. For the, and this has always been awkward because you're saying the runner has a lane. But, for example, last night the first baseman was playing in the runner's lane. So where's the lane now? Doesn't the runner have to go back to the inside in order to find a lane in order to get the first base? And the first baseman's allowed to just stand on first base, but the runner is allowed to run through first base. So you're asking for collisions. At some levels of baseball, they put two, pa two first bases, actual bases, down on the field. One's in fair territory, one's in foul territory. The fielder may play the one in, the, in fair territory. The runner plays the one in foul territory. Seems like we're getting closer to, I, to that happening. It, it seems over the top. It seems like these things shouldn't be necessary. You shouldn't weird a sport where you have to have two bases. But in fairness, you have one base that's not the same shape as the other bases. So I don't know why not. This will definitely not create change. This is not, this was, we care about it because we live here. Nobody in Sheboygan gives a rat's ass about what happened in the Maryland Yukon baseball game. No one in Jacksonville cares about it. No one in Phoenix or in, well, Andrew Steck is in Phoenix. He might care about it. No one in Seattle. No one in Cleveland. No one in Gulfport, Mississippi is even aware that Maryland was playing Yukon in a baseball game last night unless they're a truly degenerate gamble, gambler. This will not impact change whatsoever. This is the type of thing that has to happen 
in like game seven of the World Series. But by the way, we've had significant things occur and we still not fix the actual problems in sports. We like the 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 Chiefs Bills thing, the overtime thing. We're still not going to actually fix the problem. We're still going to create scenarios where which a game can end without both teams saying seeing the ball because we think we're so smart. I I don't, you know, again, I don't have the answer. And this definitely won't be the thing that leads to trying to fix the rule. But if the problem is you don't want runners running in fair territory, then just make that the rule. Just say no matter what the scenario is, no matter where the ball is, no matter whether there's a throw or not, if you run in fair territory, we're going to call you out. If you take a home run trot in fair territory, you don't get a home run. And you know what every player will start doing? Running in the running lane. Put another bag down. Do whatever. This has always been a butt-awkward thing about baseball. It's always been a little bit awkward that you can't overrun first base. Why? Why? I get that it kind of makes the game more exciting, I guess, right? Like, it, it creates closer plays at first base, but would slides to first base not also be exciting? Why is it that we allow overrunning at first base? We don't do it at third base. You could say, hey, well, we don't want to do it at second base because you're running into the field of play. Well, we don't allow it at third base. It's just the sort of thing that we've accepted as being part of the sport for forever. I'm not saying get rid of it. I don't inherently think it's an individual problem. It's just part of the greater problem that allows for things like this to occur. Fix the rule. Fix the rule. But there's no defending that from last night because you have to look at the throw. And the throw was awful and had no opportunity of getting the runner out at first base. It was nowhere close. And to say, well, that's because of where the runner was, spits in the face of actually watching the play. It becomes abundantly clear the pitcher had no clue where he was throwing the ball to, just wanted to make a throw because he was panicked and realized he wasn't going to get an out. Terrible call. Not why Maryland lost the game. Not why their season's over. Still a terrible call. No getting around it. No feeling like you know more about baseball than everybody else does addresses that. No thinking everyone else is just a stupid Maryland homer can solve that. The people that are yelling or screaming and losing their minds on social media not might not understand why it was a bad call. They might be saying some things like, well, what's the runner supposed to do? Well, the rule says what the runner's supposed to do. But it also says the fielders got to make a throw that the runner interferes with. And that didn't happen. That was not part of the play. The throw was an abomination. Unacceptable that you applied a rule that as written 
is not applicable. Still not why Maryland lost. Bummer that Maryland loses. No way around that. In the midst of this historic season, hosting a regional for the first time, absolutely heartbreaking way for this to end. No getting around that at all. Still obviously a remarkable year. Um, it, it was neat for those that have never really been into college baseball to suddenly get into it, like to see how everyone was watching the game last night, especially with the Orioles off and there being no basketball. Like everybody in town was watching the game last night, and that was really cool. I've liked college baseball for a long time. I was out in Arizona. Arizona State was really good, and that was like the first time. I mean, I, I went to Maryland baseball games when they were dreadful some 20 years ago. I'd like to not admit that number. Um, I went, but I didn't really fall in love with it as much as it was just something to do. When I was in Arizona, and Arizona State was really good, I, I was like Friday nights at the ballpark were were madhouses and i had never seen anything like that of course we in this area lacrosse is our spring sport right so when maryland plays hopkins it's it's bat s crazy we've seen massive crowds for spring sports but we've never seen that energy for baseball at the college level around here and college baseball is silly and you know as you saw last night maryland fell behind six nothing and they weren't really out of the game in any way College baseball is a wild sport, man. It's a lot of fun, and it was cool to see it be embraced by the the average sports fan in the community last night and throughout the course of the weekend. It was cool to see massive crowds down in College Park. It was cool to see. There's no reason to think, based on what they've built at Maryland, now they got to try to capitalize on it. they got to improve the facilities. they got to keep doing more to help Rob Vaughn, who has proven that he can build something here and Matt Swope and his staff. Like, they got to do more for those guys to be a threat. Obviously, Maryland's always going to, among spring sports, they're going to prioritize lacrosse. I get it. They just won the national championship. They probably should. But they're proven they can make baseball compelling. They can get people to come out and watch Maryland baseball on a Friday night. Give them a little bit more. Give them just a bit more upgrade, investment, help in order to continue to build what it is they've been building. Um, it's been, and for those that don't realize just how impossible this is, I mean, Maryland baseball was non-existent for the better part of two decades. I mean, non-existent. To call them a doormat wouldn't possibly explain it. It was as if the program did not exist. And now here we were with everybody watching the game last night. It was very cool. All right. Um, today's show is also brought to you by the Stay on the Fan Variety Hour. Speaking of baseball, Stay on the Fan, Ross Grimsley and Mike Boddicker were talking baseball last night on Facebook Live. Uh, by the way, John Proctor, that's a good joke. I'm going to choose not to share it, but it's a good joke. Um, they were talking baseball with Mike Boddicker. You can find that right now, facebook.com slash pressboxsports, pressboxonline.com slash video, youtube.com slash pressboxonline. Stan the Fan, Ross Grimsley, Mike Boddicker, great baseball conversation last night. Make sure you go check it out. Speaking of baseball conversations, when we come back in, we're going to catch up with the great Peter Gammons. We'll talk some Orioles. We'll talk some Adley Rutschman. 
Birds host a short series with the Cubs. I never understand why two-game series exist. So bloody stupid. But they're doing one starting tonight. We'll talk to Peter Gammons next. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambler.com help.org are you ready soccer fans this summer the english premier league returns to baltimore arsenal everton square off in the charm city match july 16th under the lights at mnt bank stadium home of the baltimore ravens this is your only opportunity to take in a premier league match this summer in the mid-atlantic region individual and group tickets are on sale at baltimoreravens.com the biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Yeah. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stan the Fan here. Welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food. 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn over 4100 North Point Boulevard. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. PressBox is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com to follow the show on instagram it's just glenn clark radio and to follow the show on OnlyFans, wait i don't think you're supposed to know about that one any hoodle take it away boys you know i should have mentioned that i was talking about uh, stan the fans schedule this week on thursday night he and gary stein are going to catch up with courtney coppersmith it's an amazing story courtney coppersmith who is a pitcher for the umbc softball team by the way i ended up after the maryland game was over i watched the oklahoma state texas softball game wild wild turn of events in that game oklahoma state on their way to the uh the college world series finals for the first time and then um, a base hit. They were up by two with a runner on first. A base hit to right field turned into 
multiple defensive blunders and a Little League home run allowed three runs to score and Texas wins. And they're now going to face Oklahoma in the, uh, the Women's College World Series final. Um, but speaking of softball, Courtney Coppersmith, who's this brilliant, I mean, just overwhelmingly great pitcher for UMBC, has decided she's going to use that extra year of eligibility and come back next year as she pursues a Ph.D. while pitching. It's nuts. So Stan and Gary are going to catch up with her on Thursday night. Pretty incredible story. Um, we actually do this a little bit earlier on because of uh, his schedule, and um, we had to, to, to just make it work. But Peter Gammons is one of the greatest voices in all of baseball history, and he spent some time with us right here on Glenn Clark Radio. Let's take a listen right now. Well, it's always a pleasure to be joined here on GCR by one of the most iconic voices in baseball history. And he just wrote a really thoughtful piece at The Athletic about Adley Rutschman. Um, I don't think I've ever told him this before, but once upon a time when I was a child, he was the man I wanted to grow up to be. He is <laughs> Mr. Peter Gammons, and he's with us here on GCR. Peter, <laughs> Peter, no, I really, it's not, it's, by the way, it's not a joke at all. My, my, my folks, my, my father would say, I looked up and I said, I want to be like Peter Gammons. He gets to talk about baseball on TV. There can't be anything better than that. That's got to be the life. Thank you for taking the time for us, sir. Really appreciate it. Um, I, I got to tell you, this is a topic that we have talked about a lot. As you know, everybody in Baltimore, over the moon, excited about Adley Rutschman. But I worry. I worry about our expectations. I think in Baltimore we are setting up for if he is not an amalgamation of Mike Piazza's bat and Pudge Rodriguez behind the plate, um, we're going to be disappointed by it. And I just don't know if that's fair um, as far as expectations for Adley Rutschman. I don't think it is. I, mean, I think he's going to be a really good player. And a lot of that has to do with makeup, which I'll talk about, and what, what catcher demands. Catcher demand. Let's just start with this. And Brad Osmosa was, I believe, caught the six most games in baseball history. It was a great catcher. Johnny Bench, Ted Simmons have all said the same thing. The single most important thing a catcher does is create conviction in pitchers. The whole the whole thing with the uh, framing thing is just that's child's play. People like to play with computers. It, it, it's it, it's handling pitching stats. And this guy, I think Rushman's going to be great at it. And because um, he's, he's such an unselfish person. I mean, I mean, I go back, and I'll start with, I, I've written about this. He, um, when he was, um, um, when he was 19, he came up, uh, came east to play in Cape Cod and played for Falmouth. Um, and, um he was. He had to work on hitting. He was still way behind after his freshman year. He was struggling for, with some things. He let the, the manager uh, found him as a phenomenal person. No, look, I, you know, I mean, I uh, I have to make changes. No problem, he said. But it was um, he hit 164 with one extra base hit for the season, hmm. and um, was was by far the most valuable player on that team. And um, there was another player who got drafted in the top five, who had a big bat, who uh, decided he didn't want to play the, in the playoffs because he wasn't playing third base because he can't play third base. <laughs> but that's another matter entirely. <laughs> but Rushman is just a phenomenal person. And I, I love the story. His first game, 
They were playing at Chatham. So he jogs out to the bottom of the first, uh, introduces himself to the umpire, shakes his hand, calls him sir, and drops down behind to, to, to uh, warm up the pitcher. Um, so, um, so people found him for watching when, on the 21st of May when he made his debut in Baltimore because people loved him. I mean, really. Uh, and um, so at the for the top of the first inning, he jogged out behind home plate, introduced himself to Andy Fletcher, the umpire, shook his hand, called him sir, and dropped down and uh, um, prepared to, uh, to to warm up the pitcher. And it was, what the call I got was, how great this guy, he's got the biggest bonus in baseball history. Mm-hmm. It's five years later. He hasn't changed one iota, and he never will, because that's who he is. And that's, if you're looking for the for what is going to make, the Orioles have to build a pitching staff. And I know it's unfortunate that Rodriguez is, might be out the rest of the year, but he's going to be there in another year. So let's, and, so, and they start to build pitching. Um, he's the key guy to be able to, if you have a young guy who already gets it behind the plate, because most don't, um, it's, it's amazing. And the, that makeup um, is something, I mean, it, it always was. I mean, I did, uh, I've talked to friends of mine, the scouts who knew him from the Northwest and knew him even coming out of high school and just the makeup, the family, everything was just good. I, I think it's great. Just appreciate what he is and what he does. That's most important. I mean, that's, that's what counts. Um, and you look around baseball, there are a lot of teams that end up with it's the catchers, not the guys with the stats that end that can really handle pitching staffs. I mean, I mean, I know Yasmani Guandal has great talent and has great numbers. It's funny how he doesn't always catch a lot in the playoffs hmm. because pitchers, are, you know, it's it's about winning and pitchers winning in the playoffs, and and that's you know the how catchers get judged uh, really aren't usually uh, often aren't really valid. It, it really depends on those catchers, and um, he just I, I'm so excited and. and I know. I, I I was oh, I was listening to something on radio around the first of May, and somebody said, "Oh, geez, Bobby Witt's really been a flop." And I'm going, "Wait a minute!" Right. Now, yeah. I've known Bobby Witt's father since he was 12 years old, yeah. so I have a little bit of a personal uh, stake. But I mean, hey, wait a minute—he's 20 years old, right? Right. But, but and, and he's going to be a great player, and you know, I'm not saying he's going to be right-handed George Brett. I'm not saying Rushman is going to be better than. Uh, I mean, he's not. He, he, he's not going to be Johnny Bench. Nobody else has ever been Johnny Bench, but he's going to be really good. And I mean, I have from the day that he came up, and I watched that on television. I've had a different feeling about the Orioles. I, I'm hmm. I'm getting it now. Hmm. And now, you know, like um, when they played in Boston. In that five-game series, the topic of conversation all weekend on the Red Sox side was the Orioles' young arms in the bullpen. Now, you know, Jorge Lopez and all those guys going to be here three, four years from no, but they're so good they're going to get them. I mean, I, I think Lopez is going to be one of the most sought-after guys in the trade market. Sure, um, and uh, I, I don't know. It's just they have a different look. Uh, and this is not knocking any former catcher, 
but they just, to me, they have a different look when he walks out in the field. And he, he handles, he doesn't walk out there handling it like, I got $820,000 and I'm the number one pick of the country and I'm going to be a star. He handles it. Uh, the guy that, and I wrote about this, the guy he reminds me of as a player on a team is Buster Posey. Uh, it worked and, out okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, that's a very, I mean, he is one, uh, he's one of those people who's just, he's really different. He's phenomenal. I mean, you know, in his uh, first full year, he did uh, <laughs> win the World Series. But um, he's just got instincts, and the, the Giants were always contenders with their pitching staff whenever he was there. And I think a, a great catcher who is so team-oriented changes the nature of the team. And, um, I mean, in my mind, there's no doubt that Posey is a Hall of Famer. And anybody who played with him would tell you the same thing. Sure. And I, I just, I have a, I'm not, I'm not going to put Rushman into the, uh, I'm not going to put the burden on him to say he's going to be a Hall of Famer. But I think he's, he, when the Orioles are ready to really turn the corner in two years or whatever it is, we're going to really see how important he is. He is Peter Gammons. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. We're going to link up on our Twitter account, at Glenn Clark Radio, his story from The Athletic about Adley Rutschman. Peter, if I could, I want to go a couple places based on what you said. One, um, and in the story, you, you, you know, somebody references a comparison to Matt Wieters, and it, it's such a touchy subject here because Peter, Matt Wieters was a really good baseball player. And, darn right. And was a cornerstone piece of the best Orioles teams that some of the young people in my company have ever seen in their lives. Um, and yet there are a percentage of people in this town that if you bring up Matt Weider's name, they say the word bust because of the insane expectations that, that Joe Maurer with power, the Jesus and cleats that we thought that Matt Weider's might be, or some of us thought that way. Um, well, you know, but a lot of things happen to it. First of all, Weider's is built. It's really hard, um, to be a catcher when you're really, t- when you're tall and it's hard. I mean, it's, Catching is Pudge Rodriguez has like the perfect catcher's build. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know, my buddy Brad Osmos had a great catcher's build, and um, it, it it's hard. Plus, he had the Tommy John surgery. He held, he's a switch hitter, which complicated what he does professionally. And but he he put his soul into his pitching staff all the time whenever he played. And I think back, you know, Matt Weiders. Let's see. There was a playoff series in which the Orioles faced Justin Verlander, yep. Scherzer, yep. and um, David uh, Price. Okay. They swept them. Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was and Porcello that, or not. Yeah, that's a good call. It, yeah, and Porcello was on that staff. Yep. He just didn't pitch it. But, I mean, that, to me, that's one of the uh, most amazing playoff series that I can remember in the last decade. And, yeah, Matt Weider is a big part. They really pitched well in that series. And, you know, there weren't a lot of big names coming out of that Orioles nope. pitching staff nope. at that time. But I, I, it's great to remember. And, you know, it, I, I, uh, I, I reference it, Peter, because I guess the question becomes, if, if Adley Rutschman is more like Matt Weiders, who, again, was a really good baseball player, and I, we have to say that every time we talk about this, does this rebuild work in the AL East? Going up against what you're going up against, can you can you get there if Adley Rutschman doesn't become 
more like a Buster Posey or you know a, 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 a Pudge Rodriguez type of player? Well, I think it's up to the Orioles organization to draft the right players and you know maybe get a steal in one of those. Uh, I mean, I look at Lopez and the game is so different. I don't mean to harp on him, but he's such a great guy to start with. But his stuff is nasty. Mm-hmm. But it, it, you think about him. The way the game is today, it's not just going out and getting a closer. Matter of fact, I mean, other than Pittsburgh, I don't think there's one closer that people talk about being on the market that is somebody you would really trade up for, and he won't get traded because he isn't even arbitration eligible for two more years, so he's staying in Pittsburgh. Um, but um, So what you're looking for is as many matchup pieces as you can get. And I look at the Orioles with Bautista, the left hand. I mean, they've they've got some really good matchup pieces. I mean, Lopez on the Red Sox, the Giants. Sure. There are a lot of teams sure. for whom he would be very, very. Um, to, as a matter of fact, I, I know that, that the Red Sox would uh, love to have him. Um, hmm. Alex hmm. Corey is a huge fan. Hmm. They're both they're from similar area in Puerto Rico, and uh, I think they're both from Caguas. And um, they, uh, he, he loves them. But I mean, the Orioles could do this. I mean, and uh, I think you know it's going to be interesting. Henderson will be what up probably in another year. Um, and he's only twenty we'll years old. Some of those outfielders <laughs> and so forth. But these, you surround him with the right guys, and you start you know you get the arms, you take some chances. I think that the fact that they have four or five. Big arms in the bullpen right now is testament to they can go out and scout and find arms. So you develop them. Sure. And, um, so we'll see what happens. I, I just don't think – I have to say, I, the Orioles were playing in the middle to late April. I was convinced they were going to lose 100 games. Right. And I'm, I'm convinced they won't now. And um, – the, the, those arms that they've gotten and really used well, um, and and um, it just uh, I really get a sense that some of their they're not well they're not the veteran players, but there's, there's something coming. Get the center fielder is a tremendous player. Uh, I just it's very different. And now that you've got that that guy that can that can really really work with the pitchers and and help out everybody. I don't know. I just think it's. Are they going to are they going to finish over five hundred and be in the in the playoff race? No, but they can make a lot of progress. There's and, there there. Uh, yeah, and I I just I think it's really fun, and I, I just I don't want we have a tendency to listen to shows and read things. Oh, this guy's going to be the next such and such. Just let them be what they are. Um, you know, hopefully there's a fourteen year old out there who. Um, you know, like seven years from now, somebody is saying, oh, this guy's the next Adley Rushman. And he's not the next Johnny Bench, he's the next Adley Rushman or the next Buster Posey. And that's, you know, and, the, and there's a joy there. That's all he has to be is the best of Adley Rushman, and I think he's going to be. If I could, before I let you go, Peter Gammons, and I really appreciate the time. There's three that I just want to touch on quickly, if I could. One... Um, you mentioned, you know, what what they might have to do. Is this this coming off season? Is this the time for them to start putting money into this as well? This is now 
This is the fourth year of the rebuild, and we know that they certainly took a hit from the pandemic. It hurt them probably more than it hurt a lot of teams for losing that year of minor league development. But we're yep. four, four years into the rebuild. Next year will be the fifth. Is this the offseason as you see some of this progress and some of this excitement to say, hey, now's the time to match it and spend not maybe $100, $300 million, but just spend something to keep this thing moving forward? I think so. It's, it's, it's finding those, I think, a couple of veterans um, who can really help young players coming along are really important. Getting the right kind of, um, they might be 28 or 30 years old. They're probably not going to start the All-Star game, but they can really help young players and bring a lot of character and experience to the team. Man. You know, a, a couple of those guys are really important. Um, you know, that's... Uh, I know he's not there, and I, I understand why. Buck Showalter's always brilliant at finding those guys. Mm. But that's something the Dodgers have done really well um, because they scout so heavily. And uh, um, they get, you know, they get a Justin Turner, and they, 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 they find guys who aren't supposed to be great players, and, and they, they end up really affecting their teammates and, and, and really pushing them forward. And, um, that's those are guys to find, and you know. Hopefully, it's with the scouting and so forth. They can they can do those things and help bring along the the Hendersons and guys like that that are that are coming. And so they get a little incrementally better, and then you know they 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 get lucky with a couple of pitchers, and and they they keep moving forward. It's, you can't. I think what, what a mistake the Orioles would make would be to try to say. Okay, we're going to jump right into the playoffs next year, right? Because that's you know to spend if it's if it's going to be two hundred, three hundred million for uh, Xander Bogarts or guys like that. It's I'm not sure that's Bogarts would be a great player for the Orioles, but I'm not sure that three hundred million dollars would be best spent that way. Right. It's best spent, and, and I think very important, which they. I'm told they're doing now, which they really didn't do for uh, quite a few years. Get back into the international market. Oh, it's and whew. I think I think Sig really understands that. He's a he's a really he's a really smart man. I, I think that you're going to see uh, you'll see that. Uh, you know, I, was, I thought it was interesting the old ballpark, the, the club that he used to run when he was with the Astros, the old Tri City, uh, whatever they are. That was where. Um, that's where the the uh, the former uh, Vanderbilt Flash pitched on Saturday night. Oh, Kamura Rocker, really? Yeah, he he threw really well. A very good friend of mine. Boy, he's interesting. He is he's interesting. He's he, you know, we'll have to see because the medicals in the past have not been great. But matter of fact, they're a little scary. But you know, if the operation was really good, we'll have to see after four or five starts where he is. But he'll be an interesting guy in in the draft. Um, I, I don't think. I mean, the Orioles are, are drafting way up further, and they won't go that way. Although um, I see the latest, um, it's some. It's really interesting to see the latest projections on the draft, and it'll be very interesting to see where the Orioles go there. Um, you know, if and I'll wrap with this, Peter, because I you talk about the type of player they could use, and I. 
It always confuses me when Orioles fans start talking about trading Trey Mancini because I just don't oh. think there's much to get for Trey. As, and it's good as a season he's having, and he's having a wonderful season. And we adore Trey Mancini in this city for every reason. He is a ten and a half as human beings go. But I just don't know that there is that much that you can get in a Trey Mancini trade because most teams seem to think they already have that type of player. So I'm always befuddled by this because it seems to me like the best scenario would be to try to keep Trey Mancini around to be that guy that you're talking about. I couldn't agree more with you. I think Trey Mancini is an important human being to have on your team. And just speaking of that, I'm fascinated by this. If you're looking for another uh, another character person in the Russian mold, um, uh, Jackson Holiday. Really, that holiday uh, son, of course. I'm a, I'm a I'm a great believer in the ho- whole holiday family, grandfather on down, um, and um, his father's one of the best people I ever knew in baseball, mm-hmm. and he's been brought up right, and he's an amazing talent. So, you know, you're, if you're building those guys that. Like you look at the Giants won 107 games last year. They didn't have any stars, but they all have guys whose agenda is just to win. And you know, Brandon Crawford doesn't doesn't need any more money. He just wants to win. Mm-hmm. Evan Longoria, he wouldn't even know how much money he had anyway. He all he does is just walk <laughs> up and play baseball and love it. And Mike Yastrzemski and 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 so forth. I mean, um, I, I'm 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 loving for uh, for. Uh, uh, Jackson Holiday at shortstop and, uh, and Ad- Adley Ruffin uh, behind the plate. Uh, it, it could end up playing out that way. I know everybody's in love with Andrew Jones' son. I know that's the uh, yeah. The, I know that the, the it, hot it, name. It, I'm sure he's very talented, but you know what you have for makeup over time. It's um, you look at those Yankee teams starting in '95 um, when Buck Showalter was still the manager, and he had. Assembled with Paul O'Neill's and a couple of guys like that, and he brought Derek Jeter up just to be major league uh, ready by just hanging, traveling with the team the last month of the season. What was built for Chotori, and Tori did a great job, but that was not a team. I don't think they ever had anybody hit 40 home runs. What they had were just a bunch of really good baseball players who were there only to win every day. And uh, assembling that, I think that will be a um, I'll be really interested to see how it goes for the Orioles because there are those of us who once loved going to either ballpark. Yeah, I love the old ballpark as well, and love Baltimore. And you know, when Baltimore was a great baseball town, um, it was that whole Red Sox, Oriole, Yankee, Oriole thing was so great that um, I still hope that it can be recaptured, recaptured again and uh, we, can, uh, we can be back to uh, the world of, uh, of the Flanagans and Ripkins and Palmers and so forth. Peter, you've given us so much time this morning. Is there anything I can plug for you uh, besides... No, uh, chain- so I'm, just, I'm just happy. I, believe me, I would just be so happy to see... I mean, to see every team in the American League since I live on Cape Cod and I, you know... I'm, Go to Boston all the time. I just love seeing the American League East really good, and I want to see it five. I want to see five teams in. You know, a couple of those years where you won the division if you beat the Orioles enough, 
Now that that's not the only time that's ever happened in baseball history. Right. When I was a little kid, I saw the Red Sox lose twenty out of twenty two to the Indians <laughs> in a year where they won one hundred eight games. Um, the Indians, uh, but um, it's just much more fun when it's competitive, and and and, and I mean people up here because it's so expensive to go to Boston. They want to. Fl- they'll fly down. From well, we know. We, we know. <laughs> well, yeah. but it's fun, you know. And, and, well, uh, and, and thankfully they spend a lot of money at businesses down here. <laughs> Actually, well, we do appreciate. Well, we used to have a thing where, um, when obviously before Washington came back, and there was um, there were a whole bunch of people who worked in Washington, mainly in politics, uh, that they, they they wanted to come down for. Um, uh, Red Sox and um, Orioles games. So they were they, they were uh, they, they were looking for a name. They contacted me, and I told them it had to be. They wanted the name of somebody who played for the Red Sox, Orioles, and, and Senators, and the old Senators. It had to be Willie Tasby, who once took off his cleats in the outfield because there was a thunderstorm coming. He wanted his cleats attracting the lightning, and uh, so they had the Willie Tasby fan club. They used to take two buses and come down from Washington. One of them was even Gene Orzo, later, later a great labor leader for the uh, for the union. And um, it, it was that the whole thing with the, the Willie Tasby fan club and the, the Baltimore fans screaming at the at the, all these Washington politician types. And then it was just so much fun. And you know they were all, they were good. They, they they really were. This is not the late 70s when the Orioles had great teams and the Red Sox weren't bad. Right. And, uh, it was just sort of fun. And, and uh, that's the way it should be. Toronto's a great city. You know, Tampa attracts yeah. a lot of people from New York and Boston. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, that's a really diplomatic way of saying it, Pete. <laughs> well, we need, we need that again. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I hope that, that there are enough people around to bring back the iconic classic nature of those Orioles teams, which was so funny. I mean, um, the, the sense of humor and, and everything. Plus, to have one of the 12 most important players in the history of the game, Cal Ripken, yeah. in his hometown, yep. um, is was really fun. So I'm, I'm believe it, yeah, you can tell. I, 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 I'm really excited. I, I don't expect... Um, They'll avoid a ten-game losing streak at some point this season, but I do believe that the uh, the tide has turned here. Peter Gammons, it is always an honor and a privilege. Thank you so much for taking the time for us this morning. We really thank appreciate you very it. much. Wow, that was delightful. Um, I, I know Peter Gammons went on for a while, but uh, when you're talking to Peter Gammons, you just let him do that because he's Peter Gammons, so he can he can chat for as long as he would like to chat with us. And uh, we're going to be okay with that. Appreciate Peter Gammons taking the time for us here on GCR. And, um, you know, a lot of in- interesting stuff in there. He agrees with me about Trey Mancini. We talked about that yesterday. Like, it's not Trey Mancini that's blocking Kyle Stowers. It's Anthony Santander. If you feel like you have to trade someone, I've always thought Santander was the answer. Just always have. I, I, and I'm not, I'm not going to back off on that. I think... He is a more valuable trade chip because of his arm, because he's legitimately an outfielder, whereas Trey Mancini's just, you know, a, a guy defensively. I think that there is not likely to be a robust market for Trey Mancini. First of all, you got to deal with the fact there's a mutual option for this year. 
I could see where the Orioles would balk at the idea of wanting to pay Trey Mancini $10 million next year, but my, my God, who are you paying? I don't know if you've seen how he's performed this season, but like, you know, $10 million, that's about what you get in baseball at this point. It's about the going rate. Um, I, and, and I agree with you a lot more now after hearing the way he put it into terms. Like, you, you want to get that 28-year, 30-year-old guy that's just good for, you know, developing younger guys, teaching guys, a high-character guy like Trey Mancini. So it makes a lot more sense well, and, now and to make sure we try and retain him. If you're signing him to Comparing a number... Comparing him to Justin Turner, like that's... If you, but if you're signing him to a number that guaranteed something, that said he's got to be here, if you're talking about five years, $100 million, something like that, well, okay, that, that becomes problematic because now he's got to be here and no matter what's coming through, you've got to find something for Trey Mancini and he's got to perform... At an extraordinarily level, extraordinary level every year. I don't think there's a chance in hell that's the market for Trey Mancini. Now, all it takes is one team. Of course, I could be wrong, but I don't think I think that's it's insane. I just don't think the the cost of this is all that extraordinary. I'm just never gonna be on board with that. I'm never gonna be on board with the right decision here being to trade Trey Mancini with the one caveat that I gave yesterday, which is that you've just decided, come hell or high water, he's not a part of this thing. And so either you're holding on to him to the end of the year for funsies or you're taking what you can get for him at the deadline. But I don't like that premise. It's just the one premise where it makes sense. That's That, to me, is the entirety of the Trey Mancini conversation. Um. You know, is this the off season to spend money? I'm more and more convinced. And like I said to Jeremy yesterday, it's it's now it's time to kind of demand it. It's time we step up and say whoever's got a voice steps up and says we kind of got to hold you accountable now. We we've been on board, we understand, we've sat through pretty miserable baseball. Now it's time to come out on the other side. Now it's time. We understand the Orioles aren't going to be the Dodgers. We get that. But it's time to spend some money on something. On something. I think the answer is pitching, which the Orioles have been reluctant to do in their history. They have not cared to spend real money on pitching in their history. Like, ever. I think it's time to change that. That doesn't necessarily mean it's, again, the top guy on the market but it's real money spent on pitching. All right, hour number one is in the books. Hour number one of today's show has also, oh, man, every now and then, I think I'm coming out on the other side, and then it's, uh, it's also been brought to you by the uh, print issue of Press Box. Of course, as we were just discussing, Adley Rutschman, who Peter Gammons is very excited about, says might not be Johnny Bench because Johnny Bench is the greatest catcher of all time, but he's going to be really good. Adley Rutschman, why is he so good? Why is he the way he is? Luke Jackson dove in and found out on the cover of this print issue of Press Box, and you only have like one more week exactly to get your hands on it before it's gone forever. And only I may be able to find it. Now, if you want to pay me hundreds of dollars to drag one of these print issues out of the vault. If you want to pay me, too. that's uh, No, that's not allowed. We will, uh, you'll get fired. Only I'm allowed to take advantage in such a way. I'm sorry, Griffin. Um, if, you, uh, if you want to pay me, I'll tell you what. I'll tip you 10%. Yes. You may do that, but you can get it for free right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms or any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find press box. Read it all. 
PressBoxOnline.com. When we come back in, the single best story of the MLB season, bar none, is a former Terp. His name is Jose Quas. He's a pitcher for the Kansas City Royals. You got to hear this. It's next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, Birdland families, this Father's Day, join the O's in celebrating Dad at the Yard as they take on the Tampa Bay Rays Sunday, June 19th at 1.35. Go above and beyond by treating Dad to a fun-filled day with the entire family. Make sure to get to the ballpark early because the first 10,000 fans, ages 15 and over, will receive an Orioles golf visor. Dad's Day done right this year with the O's. Don't wait until the last minute when planning Father's Day. Secure your tickets now at Orioles.com tickets. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number no. 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle, to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressbox sports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio so join us live on the bat around every saturday from 10 a.m to noon right here at Pressbox sports the toyota tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines you can choose the perfect toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new tacomas from your local toyota dealer today it's statistically proven that the show sounds better if you're not wearing pants like me Right now, you're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. You know, uh, let me follow this up. Matt Torper uh, chimed in. Uh, Great interview with Gammons. I'm always very skeptical of the notion that a catcher can carry an offense. A decent number five hitter, excellent number six hitter, is a more reasonable expectation. And I I agree with that, right? Like, the, the part that I brought up is, can they break through in the AL East without a true game-changing middle-of-the-order bat. 
And if Adley Rutschman isn't that guy, who is? Where is that guy on this roster? Peter Gammons makes the comparison to last year's Giants and says, well, look, they didn't have a superstar. They were just a well-built group, right? And that you can start to kind of do the math on. Adley, uh, Adley Rutschman, if he becomes a solid offensive player and a damn great catcher, and Austin Hayes continues to be a good hitter, never a true superstar, that's unfair, but a solid Major League Baseball player and the solid hitter that he's been so far. If Cedric Mullins kind of gets back to at least the mean, if Kyle Stowers comes up and produces at the Major League level and Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Westberg can be pieces and, you know, however this ends, if Ryan Mountcastle is a 30-home run guy, a, a quality middle-of-the-lineup bat, even if he's not a transcendent power hitter. Well, you start to do the math and you say, well, that can work. Now, can it work in the AL East? Can it work when you have you know, game changers, the Vladimir Guerrero Juniors of the world in every other lineup? Wander Frank, can it work in the AL East? I don't know. But the Giants made it work with pitching in a division where the Dodgers existed. And the Padres. I don't know if it can work or not. I, I think that it's riskier. You'd be better suited having a true transcendent offensive star, your own Vlad Jr. And Adley Rutschman is your best hope of that, of what you have. But is it reasonable? No, it's probably not reasonable to feel like your catcher can be that guy. Your next number one pick, could that be that guy? Maybe, but when? Does the timeline work that when that guy gets here to be your transcendent star bat, you're still able to take care of all, you know, you're still able to have these pieces together? Don't know. Don't know. It's interesting in how we look at how this rebuild might come together. All right, we're into hour number two of today's program. We uh, do have Simply the Bets coming up a little bit later on. Simply the Bets, as always, is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Game three of the NBA Finals is tomorrow night. You want to be in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel because they have 61 self-service kiosks, and they have an infinite number of prop bets available. Infinite! It is You cannot count all of them. I promise you. I've tried. I got tired and hungry and angry, and I was, it was just a, it was a bad, bad moment for your boy. It's infinite. So many chances for you to make money betting on obscure things. Will the total points scored in a particular quarter be an odd number or an even number? There's no way for you to get an upper hand on such a bet. It's a true 50-50 proposition. Why not have some fun? Live a little. Feel alive. Get down to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Get your bets in. Game three tomorrow night. Game four on Friday night. There are always big crowds in the FanDuel Sportsbook for NBA Finals games. So if you want to reserve your spot, reserve your table, reserve your reclining chair, your group of reclining chairs for you and your friends, email events at sportssocialmd.com in order to take care of that today. 
Uh, we also do this a little bit earlier because of uh, his schedule as uh, they're getting ready for a game today. But man, this is uh, like this might be my favorite conversation we're going to have all year. Former Terp, now Royals pitcher Jose Quas. You got to listen to this right here on GCR. Well, this is one of the coolest stories that we have been able to bring to you here on GCR in some time. The Orioles are going to play the Royals this weekend and down in Kansas City. And when they do, there's going to be maybe a familiar name to those of you that are Maryland baseball fans that you're going to get the chance to see because he made his major league debut just a week ago uh, after he had played in the infield during his time at Maryland, converted to pitcher, was literally out of baseball not that long ago, working as a FedEx driver, but now is officially a big leaguer. It was so exciting to see and so exciting to chat with Jose Quas from the Kansas City Royals, who's with us now here on GCR. Jose, it's Glenn back in Baltimore. It's so good to catch up, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. Thank you for the interview. Thank you for the call. And, uh, yeah, it's been a crazy ride. Man, I can only imagine. All right, so, so let, me, let me go back, right? I'm talking to you, let's say, in 2015, right? And I say, Jose, in the next seven years, you're going to be grinding away, having to switch positions, battling to try to get through. Um, you're going to be out of the game entirely. There's going to be this global pandemic. You're not going to know if you're going to ever have the chance, but one day you're going to get there. Would you have said back then, yeah, I'll take that? Being that I'm here now, yes, I would <laughs> say I'd take that. <laughs> would I have believed you? Probably not. <laughs> I mean, what were the emotions like for you when you're there, you've got the jersey on, you've, you've made it through everything you've been through, you've made it. What is that feeling like? Oh, I can't even put into words. Uh... There was a lot going through my mind, probably so much I couldn't really pick out one specific thing, you know, from putting on the baseball uniform to being in the dugout to then being in a bullpen and just <clears throat> admiring the stadium. And, you know, the closest I've been to a major league ballpark while playing would, would be on MLB The Show, <laughs> video game. <laughs> so it was just, you know, a lot to process, you know, having my family there as well. Like, I just, I, I'm still at the point where I still don't believe it. I'm still in shock. You know, I'm just trying to take it day by day and just enjoy every moment of it. Did you ever doubt, did you ever give up hope that you were going to be able to get there? Or did you always still have a belief, if I just keep working, if I just keep grinding, no, no matter how, you know, dark it might look, I, I'm going to be able to prove that I can do this? Well, no. I mean, there were times where, you know, I wanted to quit. As you probably heard in the story, uh, 2018, when I, while I was working FedEx, you know, I, I gave up on baseball. Mm-hmm. And my brother, who's the reason I'm where I am today, you know, pushed me and told me, hey, let's give it a shot. You know, you still have, you're, you're healthy, you know, let, let's work and let's see, you know, where it takes us. So after working, Fed, while working FedEx, you know, at night, I would go to the park with him and throw. And he told me, listen, if you're going to give it a shot, we're going to go all in. Mm-hmm. So I sacrificed everything. You know, I, I was tired every single day and, you know, he would just tell me, listen, if you're going to pitch through a 162-game season, you're going to have to learn how to do a tire. So let's just use this as getting ready for that. Wow. Wow. That's a, that's a hell of a thought, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so when it became real for you, right, when you got the call, did, was there something – can you take me back, you know, that what your brother did for you, what's that phone call like? Like the first one, you get the call that you're going up. What's the phone call like with your brother after that? 
thoughts? I mean, the phone call wasn't as big as the hug he gave me mm-hmm. after I debuted it. You know, the phone call was still, you know, a shock thing. I, I was, you know, in communication with the Royal staff, trying to get on a flight to get out to Cleveland. So his call was pretty quick. Hey, listen, I just got called up. Um, I don't know what's going on, but just get ready. You guys are going to get on a flight to Cleveland tomorrow. I'll see you there. And that was it. There wasn't much talking about it, much, you know, dialogue. The next day when they got there, he gave me a big hug in front of the hotel. I was like, hey, we did it. Mm. Mm. And then on the field, you know, after I pitched and they were able to come down to the field to take pictures and see me, you know, he gave me a hug and it was a tight hug. Like I could just feel his energy, his excitement. Like, you know, we spoke about this five years ago and look at it. Here we are. Man, that's powerful. Jose Quas is with us. He's a former Terp. He's with the Royals now. We're chatting with him on GCR. Um, Jose, the other the other hug that jumped out at me, and we actually happened to have Richie Palacios on the show last week because he's a former Towson Tiger, and the Indians were in Baltimore, or the Guardians, sorry, were in Baltimore. Um, I didn't know about your guys' relationship. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that, Richie being there, two Brooklyn kids, and what that meant for you to have him there as you made your debut? Oh, it meant a lot. You know, he's best friends with my brother, as you stated. They went to Towson together. I grew up playing against his brother. So, you know, being from New York, you know, we joke around with a lot as kids. And to give him a hug in a major league uniform on a major league field, you know, it's, it's very emotional. It was a happy moment for us. You know, it's things we dreamed of as kids, you know, for us to be living in that dream now. It's amazing. Bro, it's giving me goosebumps just you talking about it right now. Um, yeah, it's crazy. And then the other part of, of your story that jumped out meant so much to me. I admit I'm a father of two. My my youngest just turned five yesterday. Um, how much doing this was about your son and and showing? I I mean, I, this is gonna. It's nothing in, in comparison. But I had this incredible anxiety and fear about the idea of jumping out of an airplane. And um, the the Army Golden Knights reached out to me and said, "Hey." would you come jump out of an airplane with us? And I did it, and somebody asked me why, and I said, because I want my kids to see that you can overcome your fears and you can overcome your anxiety. I want them to know that. And and hearing about what this meant to you with your son really blew me away. How important was that for you as you continued to push, Jose? Oh, well, he, he was a huge reason as to why I decided to listen to my brother and say, you know what, let's go. Let's give it, let's give it another shot. You know, because I just look at him and say, hey, if I quit, you know, when he's older and understands what's going on, you know, I, he's going to look at his father as a person who quit on his dream. So, what, you know, what, what kind of message would I be sending to my son, you know, if I quit on my dreams because things got rough? Mm. So I would look at him and just say, listen, I got to do it for him. You know, this is a, this is a story that, you know, my kids are going to grow up to listen and read about. And they're going to learn about perseverance and how I was knocked down. And I was able to get back up and keep pushing towards my dream, whether it became a reality or not. Oh, it's powerful, bro. <laughs> That's real powerful, <laughs> man. How old is your son now? He's four. Oh, dude. Does he have any concept of how important this is and what a big deal is? Can, can he grasp that in any way? I don't think so. I mean, he, he's always just excited to see me. Yep. Uh, I mean, I could be playing <laughs> backyard baseball, and he sees me, he's excited. But, you know, as time goes on and he gets a little older, he'll start to understand a little more. Oh, and, you know, once he comprehends enough, 
and he's able to read back on the story and find out, you know, who his dad really is, you know, it's going to be amazing. I, I can't wait for that moment to be able to explain to him the things I went through, while, you know, when he was born and where I'm at today. Yeah, that's cool. You, you know, the other cool part about this to me, a lot of guys that, like, have to work a job or pick up something else, they try to distance themselves from it. And, hey, that's not my story. You've really embraced, like, the part where you were you worked for FedEx. Like, you're not hiding from it. You joke about it on social media. Like, you, w- Oh, yeah. It's, it's no It's no – I can't hide it. It's what I've been through. <laughs> now, whether I like it or not, did I want to be there? Absolutely not. I wanted to be playing baseball somewhere. But – the reality was, you know, things were things were tough at the time, and I had to bring money to the table to feed my kids. What do you, you know, what did that time do for you? Did did it help you mature in a way? Did it humble you? Did it did it add a perspective that maybe helped you as you made this jump to the bigs? Oh, it helped me grow up a hundred percent. Helped me take take things more seriously. And I'm, I was a big, you know, I'm, I'm still I am a little clown. You know, I like to joke around and have fun, but during that time, you know, it's I'm a grown man. Once you have a kid, you automatically a grown man. You no gotta doubt. provide for for a household. And being that I wasn't able to provide for my household, you know, it made me realize: listen, you, something's wrong here. Like, your son is gonna go hungry if you don't provide. It hits you. It hits you in a heartbeat, doesn't it? Like, yeah, hundred percent. My son cannot miss a meal. And no, that was my mindset. My son cannot miss a meal. Man, man. Well, I boy, I can only imagine how well he's eating at the moment. <laughs> oh, he's, he's doing well. <laughs> um, Jose Quas with us on GCR. Jose, just take me back further because for those for Maryland fans that 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 didn't, never even knew that you got and moved to pitching, can you take me back that far? Go back to 2015. How did you go? How did pitching end up becoming the path for you? Well, when I signed, I uh, signed as a third baseman, as you stated. Uh, I struggled hitting, you know, from 2015. I had a good 2015 season in the advanced rookie league of the Brewers. My next season, next two seasons, struggled miserably with the bat. You know, I realized I had no chance of reaching the big leagues as a third baseman anymore. You know, a lot of guys were above me. So I uh, spoke to my brother and my agent, and I said I wanted to make the transition to pitching and see if they gave me the chance to do that, which they did. I'm, you know, thankful for that. They gave me a chance at pitching. I was over the top at the time. I pitched for about two months with the Brewers. Okay. And was released in July of 2018. So then how did it go from, like, you know, the, the from the over-the-top delivery to the side? Where did that come from that you turned into a sidearm guy? Well, I went well, being hit that bad <laughs> over the top I, uh, when I got released and the independent ball opportunity came up. I uh, was messing around with it, you know, the, hey, let's try to mess with different arm angles. And uh, Francisco Rodriguez, K-Rod, was there in the Atlantic League team, and he liked what, what he saw from the sidearm. He said, hey, let's stay in there. Let's just work from there and, you know, learn how to command and things like that. And it felt more natural because that's where my natural arm slot was from the infield. So that's how I was able to gain the veto. Okay. So it, it it was sort of like making a throw from third base. Exactly. Wow. And I was through from that angle, so it was it was natural. So I was like, wow, this is this feels a lot better, a lot less stress on my arm than throwing over the top. Did you know then that it was your path? Did you say like this, this is my chance? Or again, like at that point, things were so cloudy, it's got to be hard enough. <laughs> yeah, but at that time, once once I dropped arm slots, you know, I was having a little success in the uh, 
an independent ball team, I'm like, okay, and you know, I have big leaguers telling me, hey, you know, you got a chance. Like this is, you look good. Like this, this stuff plays in the big leagues. You know, so they boosted my confidence a little. So I'm like, okay, here we go. There's, you know, it works. Wow, wow. And then 2019 comes around, and I, uh, I was hoping to have a a contract already before spring training. That didn't happen, so I ended up going back to the same independent ball team, the Long Island Ducks. And that's where the Diamondbacks signed me a month later. Man, man, that's crazy. And, and Francisco Rodriguez, who uh, did spend a little time in Baltimore, uh, among the many stops in his career, clearly, when when that when a dude like that that's had that much success gives you a little piece of advice, you're probably going to listen. <laughs> yes. Oh, I listen. I picked his brains. I, you know, every time he would tell me, hey, you have a big league arm. All we got to do is work on, you know, things pitchers need to do in a big league at the big league level. And we worked on it every single day. And that, you know that might he gave me a a tip and advice, and that that stuck with me till today. He said, when you're on that mound, everybody that touches that reaches first base on you, whether it be a hit, walk, whatever it is, is taking food away from your from your kid's plate. Damn. And that has stuck with me to the day. Like when I'm on the mound now, even at the big league level, that's what I'm thinking about. Oh. Every hitter there is trying to take food away from my son's plate. And I won't let that happen. No, that is intense, bro. That is intense. <laughs> yeah, man. Like no one's going to take food away from my kids' plate. Um, Jose, it's been an exciting time for uh, Maryland fans recently, obviously. What a season it's been for the Terps. Um, you guys really kind of started this back in, in the, the mid-teens, uh, right? Um, yes. it was It was your teams that, that made the deep runs and established something. I know Rob was on the staff at that time. What does it mean to you to see this have continued now on for the better part of a decade, what you guys were able to establish at a place where, let's be honest, baseball was basically non-existent at Maryland for a long time. What does it mean to see you, it, to you to see it continue the way that it has now for the better part of a decade and, and with Rob now taking over? Oh, it means a lot. It means I'm, I'm beyond happy with the success they're having. You know, it's, it's something that when I was recruited to Maryland, that was the plan. You know, our class to put the school on the map, you know, for them to be recognized as a baseball school. And I remember the coaching staff telling us, hey, if you guys achieve this, you'll be remembered forever. Because Maryland was never a baseball school. Never. And here we are a couple of years later, and, you know, they're, they were hosting a, they're hosting a regional. You know, and I feel like we opened that door, you know, Coach Vaughn, Swole, Papio, all amazing guys, you know, a group that, We'll do whatever it takes to help the team, to help each individual player. I still stay in contact with them, and I'm beyond happy. I'm excited for them. That's awesome. And by the way, a pretty hell of a roster you guys had back at that time, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah what, what, all, what's Brandon Lau done, right? Like, what's what's Lamont Wade done? You know, like, exactly. Pretty decent group you guys had on the field today. Um, and for you to now be joining them in the bigs, man, I, it's just so cool. Jose, I can't get enough, man. I your story truly gives me goosebumps. It's I, I can't. I guess we got to when when they inevitably make the Jose Quas movie. Who do you want to see play you? Like like who's the actor that you say that's the guy I want playing me in the movie? Oh, uh, I was asked this question a couple of times, and I, I want to play myself. Okay, I want to I want to experience everything that comes with with this story with this accomplishment. I want to feel a part of everything. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. Jose, I, I'm I'm so happy for you. Look, we're not going to pretend like we're rooting for you this weekend when the Orioles face you, because you know how that goes. <laughs> 
But, man, it's just such a cool story. It's so incredible to see what, what's happened. I know it's at Jayquas, and that's C-U-A-S-28 on Twitter. Um, what about on Instagram? Are you on there that, that Maryland fans yeah. can give you follow? Instagram is at JoseQuas28. At JoseQuas28. Jose, seriously, congratulations, brother. I'm so happy for you. Thank you for taking the time for us. Continued health and success to you, my friends. Thank you. Thank you so much for the interview. I appreciate it, and I uh, look forward to hearing from you soon. And that gives you goosebumps. Holy crap. Jose Quas um, openly admitting like he was done. He had given up. It was hopeless. And his brother just said, I'm not going to let you do that. They kept working, and now he's a major leaguer. And the Orioles will see him this weekend when they're down in Kansas City. Um, such a cool story. Such a freaking cool story to see the success that Jose Quas has had. And appreciate him taking the time for us here this morning on GCR. Um, all right. E from from Ryan and and Matt Torper just brought this up too. Ryan says, uh, "Glenn, do you think that there really is trade value in the Orioles bullpen arms? I know you oftentimes the one that throws cold water on how much these the Orioles can get for some of their pieces. Um, you know, yes, I think Jorge Lopez, you know, very much. It, it, Peter Gammons clearly thinks the Boston Red Sox are in love with Jorge Lopez. Um." Is there their value there? Sure. And that's the type of value that it makes sense for you to deal. Because we just know how baseball works. Relief arms tend to be uh, fleeting. They are really good for a couple of years. Now, if next year's team is one that you think is supposed to matter, and when I say matter, I don't mean like win the World Series or necessarily compete for the division, but be good enough to have a chance, then I don't think you want to just dump every relief arm you have. But if one of these guys, if it's Lopez, for example, can get you more than you would have possibly fathomed him getting you, then yeah. Yeah. Of course you make that move this year at the deadline. Of course you do. Not all of them. You don't leave the cupboard bare if next year matters. If you're not there, and boy, that, that would be a bit of a gut punch, then you trade all of them, as many of them as you can, and you take whatever it is that you can get. But trading one of them for a haul far bigger than you could have possibly expected, and I still want to be careful about that. I don't think you're getting game-changing pieces, but... I'd absolutely, I'd absolutely believe that you could get something for a, a Jorge Lopez because that is a priority for, for, look, starting pitching is always the biggest priority. Starting pitching is the thing you can always do well for. Beyond that, relief arms are always in demand. You got to go really far down the list before you get to positionless bat. There's just not the demand for that. But... Starting pitching, always. Um, a priority position, shortstop, second baseman, center fielder, catcher, relief arm. Corner infielder, outfielder, positionless bat. That's kind of the list in order of where you can find value. Um, sure, absolutely. You 100% could get something. And again, what that is, don't don't get yourself too excited that that's a... 
you know, a top 20 prospect, you know, throughout baseball. It's some team's top 20 prospect. It, it might be some team's top 10 prospect. But don't get too excited about what that is. It's just it's worth doing with one of these guys because you're of the belief that you can find another Jorge Lopez next season if that proves to be the case. Now, you also need him to continue to, um, to pitch well over the course of the next month and a half or whatever it's going to be uh, before you make the move. So that is relevant. That is relevant in this conversation. All righty. Why don't we go ahead and get a tidbit? Tidbit brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, their sporty performance, and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. What is that shirt, by the way? The shirt I'm wearing? Yeah. Oh, it's a Maryland wrestling shirt. Yeah, wrestling. Maryland wrestling. What's your connection with Maryland wrestling? Um, One of my best friend's brother's. Wrestles. Oh, very Maryland. cool. Yeah. Very cool. All right. And it's just Maryland. It says Maryland on it. So well, I understand that, but can't I can't get better than that. I'd never seen that that shirt before, and it's a Maryland wrestling shirt. I like it. I'm 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 in favor. I'm also oddly wearing know, yeah. a Maryland shirt today. We didn't coordinate yeah, no, that beforehand. Didn't. This was just more. I'm wearing uh, blue shorts, so I needed a, a another co- a color that would go with blue, and black works with blue. So I decided to wear a black polo today, and it just so happens to be a Maryland black polo. So but, of uh, course. I have got a, a Maryland rated yeah, related got a tidbit. Maryland tidbit. Right. Um, yeah, so right, so you know, before we put the Maryland baseball season to rest officially, um, so Jose Quasi became the latest Terp to play in the in Major League Baseball mm-hmm. when he debuted last Tuesday with Kansas City, um, and he actually became the 39th Terrapin to play in the majors. So okay. Glenn, get name all 39. Yeah, name all thir- no. Literally all 39. <laughs> but there there have been 10 Terps uh, this millennium to make to make it to the bigs. Okay. Um, and I think you should be able to name the most recent seven. Uh, well, I don't know who the most recent seven might be, but I. Uh, all right, so Quas, obviously. Yep, Quas is there. Uh, Kevin Smith. Got him. Um, I'm tri- saying the most recent seven makes it tricky. I'm going to still assume that Brandon Lau is within those yes. seven. Yes, he is. It's uh, since 2009 was the. the, the uh, Lamont recent, Wade. Lamont Wade, yep. Got four. Three left. Um, yep. I'm going to guess Brett Cecil is still within that. Correct. He, 2009, known as John Means Day now in Baltimore. May 5th, 2009, Brett Cecil debuted. Because that was the day he threw the no-hitter. Yes. There's a couple of guys that I'm wondering if they fell in that time frame. Oh, Adam Kalarik definitely was in that time frame, right? On my 17th birthday, he debuted. How about that? He's probably thinking about that too. Yeah, he was when he when he made his debut. <sighs> There's a big gap there, 2009 to 2017. 2009 to 2017 before yeah. someone debuted yeah. again. Yep. So well, Cecil to Kalarik there. So there's okay. one more. Yeah, there's one more that you're missing. Was with within the last three years. Oh, Shawarin, right? There you go. Yeah, yeah three Shawarin. years. Three years to the day, June seventh, 2019. You know, I'm glad that you told me that because my next guess was going to be that it, I, I don't remember what years Justin Maxwell was, but that was going to be my next guess. I should have made it eight. He was. He would have been eight. He would have been the eighth. Yeah. I mean that, but that now, once you get back to it was oh seven. Yeah. So it was just outside that. Mm-hmm. Once you get back that far, the list of guys gets fewer and further between, and it's kind of depressing. Like I'm going to guess 
it's not that far removed from Justin Maxwell to say Eric Milton. I'm going to guess that like Eric. there aren't a lot of players. There were a lot of years, but not a lot of players between Eric Milton and Justin yeah, Maxwell. There was Kevin Hart. There was Steve. Kevin Hart. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta be honest with you. I did not know Kevin Hart. I mean, he's had yeah, a tremendous film career, <laughs> but um, I was I'm surprised to learn. <laughs> That he played either at Maryland or in Major League Baseball. He frankly. actually, he actually Does not debuted. ideal, not ideal size. What, 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 what? what Trying to think of what Kevin Hart must have been. Must have been uh, back in the day when they had undersized shortstops. <laughs> he must have been one of those guys, a, a defense-only type of shortstop, right? He was a pitcher from Ohio. Don't don't remember anything about Neither, being yeah. a player. Named he went Kevin to Navarro Hart. College and then transferred to Maryland. Does nothing for an eleventh round, an eleventh round draft pick in two thousand four. I believe you. I need you to know. I I believe you. It just means no, I have no recollection of any of this. It means nothing to me whatsoever. This uh, this Kevin Hart fella. <laughs> what year was uh, Milton? Milton was ninety eight. So Milton ninety eight. Schmoll in oh five. Steve Schmoll. Oh sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mister Mrs., Mister Mrs. Schmoll's son. Uh, then Kevin Hart debuted the day the next day. Maxwell debuted. Okay. And then So uh, yeah, there was two guys. There's literally yeah. two guys in in what a good span of a decade. But, yep. Between yes. Justin between Maxwell and, and Eric Milton. No, no, uh, no, Milton. Oh, Maxwell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's uh that's that's the way it was. Thankfully, Maryland baseball despite last night, Maryland baseball clearly on a far better trajectory. All right, very good. Uh here's what's coming up totally tubular wise. Totally tubular brought to you by Glory Days Grill. The spring seasonal menu has been extended probably another week or so for you to take advantage of it like the opener, the flash fried pork belly with the delicious Korean number 2 sauce, the cracker jack sundae and so much more. All available right now at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Get your order in, glorydaysgrill.com. Here's what's coming up tonight, totally tubular-wise. The Orioles do indeed open this very short series with the Cubs. Two games tonight. Kyle Bradish on the mound against Keegan Thompson. Not familiar with his work. That's 7 o'clock on Masson 2. Masson Nationals Marlins at 640. MLB Network Rockies Giants at 11. TBS Dodgers White Sox at 8. ESPN. Game four of the Eastern Conference Finals, Rangers-Lightning at 8 o'clock as the Lightning try to tie the series up. CBS Sports Network, Minnesota Lynx, New York Liberty at 8, Atlanta Dream, Seattle Storm at 10. Uh, The UEFA Nations League this afternoon on FS2. It's Finland and Montenegro at noon on FS1. Italy and Hungary at 2.45. Italy playing for the titles that really matter, not those stupid World Cups. Who needs those? Get all the titles that people actually care about, like the well, the Euro is a big one, and uh, the UEFA Nations League. That's the one people really. Who needs to make the World Cup when you can win the UEFA Nations League? It's so stupid. Uh, USA Tonight for WWE NXT at eight o'clock. Some non-sports highlights. Not a ton. There's a new episode of America's Got Talent. No, that's not a highlight. Are you on? Are you, you'll be on tonight. No, it's okay. just not a highlight. Who? who um, I mean, there's there's just literally nothing. There's a new episode of Chopped on Food Network. Um, maybe this, I don't know if this, this might apply to you. It's called Help, I'm in a Secret Relationship Ooh. on MTV. Oh, boy. It's a, hopefully have, it doesn't apply to me because have you ever been in that it would be a secret to me. <laughs> like, it would be stunning news. Imagine if, like, I was on the show tonight and I found out that I'm in a secret relationship. <laughs> it would be wild. I And I'm pretty sure my wife admits that she's in a relationship with me. I, th- I think she does publicly, so... I don't think she tries to hide me. I think that we're good. I don't think we're in a secret relationship whatsoever. I mean, if you're asking me if there was a time in my life where... You were in a secret relationship. Like, because... <laughs> I don't know what that Because means. I, I was keeping it secret or because they were... 
I'm trying to think. Probably either. Pro- yeah, there was probably a few times in my life where there were things okay. like that. Going. So, maybe, so you'll I used in. to have a rule when I was when when radio was a bigger deal, like when b- before radio died and and podcasts took over. Um, like when radio was a bigger deal, I had a rule that like if I was dating someone, I would not acknowledge it on social media because I would see like when when radio equaled like an amount of fame. Right, and I mean, use that term very loosely. Like it wasn't real fame; it was just sort of like local notoriety. Um, I would like see messages that girls would get. Like I would talk about a girl on the show, and then she'd be like, "You should see this." Like people were just disgusting. So I had a rule that I wouldn't acknowledge relationships on social media because I was like, "I just don't need that." And there was one girl that I was dating that wanted to break up with me because I wouldn't acknowledge the relationship i was like you understand i know i'm in the relationship right like you know, you know we're in a relationship i'm just not putting it on social media that's literally the only thing i'm doing i changed my mind about that at some point because again radio died and then i got out of radio now i'm back in um so it just it doesn't matter the same way it's not the same risk that it was once upon a time it'd be a far bigger risk if i was like a popular youtuber than it is being on radio not not nearly the same as it was is that in the cards for the future popular on youtube i i seriously doubt it i don't think i'm ever going to be the guy that goes down and breaks down the johnny depp amber heard trial I bet in order really to get a bunch it. of i might be that's the funny i was talking about this we um we had somebody in yesterday that i was talking about who might be helping us in the future and I was like, I, 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 I could probably do these things. I'm just not going to. Like they were talking to me about, like you want to grow your social, like you should, you should start interacting. I'm like, I'm never going to be that guy. I'm, I'm going to die without being that guy. It's not going to happen. I have no doubt that I could do it. I'm just not going to. I am. There's no way. I am too old manish in order to be involved with those things at this point. Anything else? Final highlight, uh, there's a new David Letterman uh, special on Netflix. Oh, the uh, my next guest. Who's the guest? I don't know. Well, it's just called, it's called That's My Time. Oh, is that's, that the name of the... That's a different thing. Yeah, it's a different thing. It's like... What is that? It, I, I don't know. Well, it just came I'm out I'm actually kind of interested yeah. in that now. I didn't... I've not watched his interview series, which is a shame because David Letterman's a genius and yeah. I probably should be watching it, but there's just too many... I have too many things in in the old queue that I need to watch before I get to the David Letterman program. So. All right, very good. Thank you. Today's show. Oh, thanks today to uh, Jose Quas. Thanks also to Peter Gammons. We'll get that up in the greatest hits section of the archives. We gotta, we gotta. You need to, to deliver it better. We okay. need more of a. Okay. Keep working on it. All Workshop right, it in front of the mirror at home, in your underpants. I like where your head's at. You know, like I like, I like the idea. It just needs more on the delivery. Okay. Uh, Tabicklineclarkradio.com. Um, on the program tomorrow, Isaiah Likely is scheduled to join us, uh, uh, Ravens rookie tight end who just signed yesterday. Of course, it's Wednesday, so we'll talk to Drew Forrester. Obviously, a lot to discuss about the live tour, and they had a, a horrendous press conference this morning. Surprise, surprise. Uh, we'll talk to him about that. Stuff and things, as always, on a Wednesday edition of GCR. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Great Eights Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook, the Baltimore Orioles, uh, Live Casino and Hotel, as well as the Charm City Match, your local Toyota dealer, and buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin. Follow him on Twitter at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us at Glenn Clark Radio. Thanks to Ryan at Rexpex Ryan. Uh, follow us on both Twitter and Instagram. Have a great Tuesday evening. Go Birds. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too. If you are with us on audio, do nothing. If you're with us on video, give us one minute. Go back to the original host of the video, whether it's Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Refresh, and we'll be with you. Simply the Bets is next.
And welcome into Simply the Bets, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Glenn Clark, Griffin Bass, coming up in a little bit. We're going to head down to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Catch up with our buddy Leon Twyman, their assistant general manager. Find out where people are spending their money. Where's the action coming in? So we get ready for game three of the NBA Finals tomorrow night. Stanley Cup final now, about a week away. We've got half of it already figured out with the Avalanche sweeping the Oilers. We'll talk about that. Um, they will be showing the Belmont on Saturday in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Unfortunately, as we've talked about before, you can't bet the Belmont in the FanDuel Sportsbook. It's a state of Maryland thing. It's not a FanDuel thing. The state of Maryland wants people to go to the tracks to bet on horse racing, want to help keep horse racing um, vibrant to at least some extent here in the state of Maryland. So they want people to go to the tracks themselves in order to get their bets in. So you can watch the Belmont on Saturday, but you won't be able to bet the Belmont in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. I, I'm sorry. It's just the reality of the circumstances. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I would say it at some point, I think that might change. I actually get the funny feeling that like in Maryland, it's probably going to stay that way for the foreseeable future. And I under, again, I do understand why I really do. I really do understand why. All right. Let's, uh, let's find out where this man, uh, thinks you should be uh, putting your money. Let's head out to Vegas. Our buddy from VEASAN. He is Aaron Oster and he's with us here in Simply the Bets. What's going on, pal? I'm uh, doing pretty good. You, you've a avoided decent week. You hit some uh, overs yeah. in college baseball, which are lots and lots of overs. Did Those you did did you do the bet that a lot of people did, where they just played literally every over in all of the Monday games because no one has any pitching left? You know, I I didn't quite do that, but I did play lots and lots of overs over the course okay. of the weekend. I don't know. I actually wanted to go back and do the math and like find out if all like I would love to know how what the record was for the overs yesterday because there there is just no pitching. There's no pitching left to be had yeah. for these teams that are playing. They don't have that many pitchers to begin with. Now you're playing the, five games in four top, days. Right off the top of my head, yesterday there were at least two games that went under uh, the Stanford Texas State. State game and I believe the Miami game. Okay. Uh, uh not the Miami. What? What? Uh, the the Arizona. Oh, game, Arizona. Sorry. Oh, yeah. But um, Arizona Miami, right? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it was it was outrageous the way that the balls fly in college baseball oh, this weekend. That's the way it goes. All right. Uh, very good. Let's get into this week's five L's. As always, we hope they're not five losses. We want them to be five wins. Aaron's got for us a local bet, a long-term bet, a long-shot bet, a loser bet, and a lovable bet for you to think about for this week. We start locally. Unfortunately, there will be no more Maryland baseball bets to make, but hey, at, at least... All right, never mind. I don't want to talk about it any longer. Um, so what do you have instead? What is your local bet for this week? Well, of course, I will be uh, playing the Orioles game and... You know, you got on me. You said my bet last week was boring, so I did try to find something to spice it up uh, this week, and uh, I found a player prop I like. It is unfortunately against the Orioles again, though, as uh, Keegan Thompson on the mound for the Cubs, and he's pitched excellently lately, both out of the pen and now uh, more recently as a starter. And right now, his over/under for hits allowed is five and a half. He hasn't allowed over five hits all season, though. As I just mentioned, a lot of those were bullpen appearances. I was going to say, wait a second, what am I missing well, in this? On, dude? Hold on, hold on. But that's also a big part of this 
because they don't let him go more than five innings. This isn't a guy who's going to be going seven, eight innings, who's going to be allowed to get a lot of hits. It's not how many, you know, how many hits the Orioles get in the game. It's how many hits specifically does Keegan Thompson allow. So simultaneously, he's been pitching very well. I don't think he goes a lot of innings. And, and Orioles have actually struggled a bit against right-handers, which Thompson is, over the past month or so. So you get all of those together. I think that this is a pretty good bet under five and a hit, five and a half hits allowed by Keegan Thompson. Mm, well, I, I hope to shove it in your face after the Orioles <laughs> demolish Keegan Thompson. I have no idea. I, I, your, your thought, look, you're presenting a great, a compelling argument for it. It's just, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think you might be alone on this one. I think I'm going to pass on that particular bet. Uh, next, let's go to a long term. Let's go to a futures bet that jumps out at you. All right, uh, one thing that's come out uh, pretty much nationwide over the past week is college football win totals. Ooh, um, again, I did not see of, that. Yeah, uh, you can actually find it if you're looking at uh, FanDuel. you got to click a couple things, make sure to get into NCAA. But yeah, win totals are out. And one team I really like this season, and I think they're being a little bit undervalued, is uh, Utah. Utah has their starting quarterback, Cam Rising, back, starting running back, uh, Tavion Thomas, as well as a number of players. Uh, over half the defense and over half the offense is returning this year for the Utes, in addition to a number of good uh, transfers that they were able to get out of the portal. And their win total is at eight and a half wins. And looking at their schedule, you know, there's uh, not a whole lot of games where they're going to be underdogs this season. They Start the season at Florida, where, depending on the book, they are slight underdogs. Though, actually, in some of the books, they're uh, slight favorites in that one. It's pretty much a coin toss game. But um, I, I actually really like Utah in that game. That's the game that, as I start to look at these early lines, that I might, if I might jump on one, that might be one that I start to look at there. But um, that's kind of, you know, that's the one non-conference game. They do catch USC at home instead of on the road, which is big. And the other game uh, at Oregon, that's the only other game that I think they're likely to be underdogs when you look, when you uh, go through their schedule. So add that all up, and I think eight and a half is uh, uh, pretty nice. And if you want to take a bite at a conference title instead of just playing the win total, they're plus 400 to win the Pac-12, and I don't think that's necessarily bad value either. By the way, Maryland's total is five and a half. At yeah. minus 115. I know that this is re- requiring Talia Tungavailoa to stay healthy for an entire season. Like, I understand that that's what that is, but I like that number. <laughs> like, Yeah, at, at five and a half, I don't mind. I've, I've seen it six elsewhere, and at six, I've paused because, look, you know, six and six seems kind of... About right, yes, here. yes. But five and a half, if you're telling me, uh, you know... Basically, they make a bowl, you're getting money. I don't hate that at all. I get that SMU is a trickier game than people realize it is, right? But, like, they should win all three of their non-conference games. And if they do, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know, right? Like, I, I get it. It requires them picking off. Um, they have to win at Indiana. They, they probably have to beat Purdue at home. Or Northwestern at home. Um, and they'd have to win at home against Rutgers, right? But, like, if you don't win at home against Rutgers, and you don't, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I like that number. I do like that number. Yeah. I just, I, I, mean, I think I, six is the right there's number. Four, yeah, there's four very winnable games in conference. You go, you know, even if you do lose the uh, SMU game, there, there's outs there. 
Yeah, there are. I just, boy, you shouldn't be losing to SMU at home. I no, get it. SMU, I'm not, I'm not SMU is better than people realize they are. But you still shouldn't yeah. be losing at home to SMU. Like, my, my, my point is you're not, there's not six games on the schedule you win. You have to win all six. No, I hear there's you. Right. seven games. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's, one, there's a game worth, game's worth of flexibility there. I hear you. All right. Uh, that's interesting. I'm going to look at that. Now give me your long shot. Give me your big underdog that you like this week. Um, this is a long shot, and this is one, look, we're, we're kind of getting at the point in the baseball season where we have to wonder, you know, what we're looking at right now with, with any player, with any team. Okay, we're, we're getting into June. Is this for real, or is this a mirage? And there's one where the oddsmakers, there's one player in particular where oddsmakers have taken the stand where this is completely a mirage. And because of it, there's a long shot play. I think that's at least worth dabbling on, even if I'm not necessarily sure if it's a mirage or not. And that's on uh, Martin Perez right now. Martin Perez, of course, a bit of a journeyman. He's uh, 31 years old and hasn't been good his entire career. I mean, he's been okay. He's been serviceable. But right now, he's been absolutely outrageous. He has the second-best ERA in baseball. He just won AL Pitcher of the Month for May. And yet the oddsmakers are taking the stand and have his uh, odds at AL Cy Young at seventy to one. I mean, and I get it. Right, I get why. I get it. Martin Perez. He's probably going to turn back into a pumpkin. But we're two months in. We're eleven starts in. He might literally start the All Star game because he's been that good that season. So he has a huge head start. So let's say he just regresses a little bit. Well, maybe he has enough uh, the equity built up there that he does end up winning it. So at seventy to one, again, severe long shot. I think it might be worth a play at this point. And I hear you, right? Like, it's a ticket that's worth holding because of the number and just considering how good he's been. I, I, I would be stunned if Martin Perez sure. ends up being the AL Cy Young winner this year. But your point being, based on where he is, the number probably shouldn't be 71. It's just reflecting the fact that he is, if, if another pitcher with a different name was having his season, they wouldn't be 70 to 1. I, I'm listening, right? Like, I'm listening to your argument at that point. Aaron Oster is with us from VEASAN out in Vegas, giving us our five L's of sports betting for this week. Let's get the one that you say do not do anything else at all this week. Make whatever bet you want to make, but whatever you do, do not do this. Or if you do, please just stop betting. Just turn your wallet over to somebody else to watch over you. Um, so again, I'm looking at win totals here, though I'm actually looking at NFL total win totals instead of college win totals, because I noticed this one, and this one, I just, I, I can't recommend playing with, and specifically, I, I don't even can recommend playing necessarily playing the other side, just stay away from this one. Uh, the Dolphins' win total right now on FanDuel is set at 8.5 with the over at minus 130. And look, when you're playing win totals, especially NFL win totals, uh, you really, you know, the fact that you're they're holding your money long enough, a lot of times you're getting minus money. Sometimes you're getting, you know, plus 120 if you want to take the right side. But you're not making a lot of money. You want to be really confident about one side or the other. So if you're playing the over on the Dolphins and you're confident, you're so confident they're going to be over 500, uh, I don't know how you can see that with this team. Obviously, there's all the questions with Tua. There's all the questions up and down the the, really, the roster on this one. Um, you want to tell me they're nine and eight? 
okay, but you're really going to take a, a minus one, what, minus one, uh, yeah, minus one thirty bet right now on something that might take to week seventeen to go over. And more importantly, with this one, and and why I consider it a major, major loser bet is if you're that confident about the Dolphins, if you're that confident that this is going to be a really good team and this is a, such a great value bet that you got to play it right now. Just take them to make the playoffs at plus 142 if you're going to be laying 140 just for them to go over 500 anyways. Um, so I'm not necessarily saying you've got to take the under on this one, though. Honestly, if I was to play it, I would probably be playing the mm-hmm. under. This team has 8 and 9, 7 and 10 written all over it to me. Um, but So I'd honestly probably play the under, but I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm simply saying do not play over on the Dolphins because this season. That's crazy. The odds are just better. If, if you feel that way, bet them to make the playoffs. Don't bet yeah. Don't bet that total. So I feel weird about these, these are the types of bets that I feel weird about all the time, right? Like, what, how do those? How do both those numbers simultaneously exist, right? Like, what is what is the math? It's sort of like the scenario where, I don't know if you saw, like, the, the Orioles are 200,000 to 1, or they were the last time I checked, 200,000 to 1 to win the AL East, but 100,000 to 1 to win the World Series, right? And, I, like, I get that they could, in this bizarro world, they could get a wild card and they could end up winning yeah. the world. But it still it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make <laughs> sense that the number would be there is, is a 50% better chance of them winning the World Series than them winning the division, right? Like, that, that I, I, under, I can actually understand the argument of there being slightly better odds of them winning the World Series. Right. But not twice the chance there's a like that 50 percent thing is the thing that doesn't make any sense at all i just sometimes with these numbers i wonder how it gets there so um i'm i'm with you on that and i'm i also too am not bullish about the dolphins like at the end of the day i you still have to trust tua and uh, i'm not (laughs) those those press conferences where they're making excuses for his arm are Little, little scary already. Well, and it's the they they clearly knew because they were in on every other quarterback. They were right. tr- they know they were trying desperately. They were willing to give the team to Tom Brady. <laughs> like they were doing anything they could to find another quarterback. It's just difficult for me to think that it's because they know Tua Tungavaloa is ready for a breakout season in the NFL. Like, it's really hard for me to buy into that. All right, and finally, what is the bet that you say get there by by sea, by land, by air, whatever it takes for you to burrow a tunnel? You know, do what uh, what Morgan Freeman did in, uh, in oh, no, not what Morgan Freeman did, what Tim Robbins did in Shawshank Redemption, <laughs> right? Like, uh, uh, overnight while, while there's thunderstorms, uh, uh, bang away at the wall in order to be able to get there to make this bet. What is the bet that you love? You know, now that we're at the NBA Finals, um, a lot of the markets, because you have you know the odds makers honing in so much, there's so much data available. You have every person in it looking at every market, every aspect, knowing that they're going to be hit on every market here in the NBA Finals because there's one game to bet on. And now it's every three days, so you have so much time to look and scour and find everything you can that it's harder and harder to find edges in these markets. Um, especially the prop markets, the points, that's you know, the most obvious ones. They're spending a lot of time to really uh, sharpen those edges. One place, though, that I still feel that there's uh, ways to get edges is when you're looking at defensive props, because there's just not as much data availability there. There's not as much, much people 
uh, looking for the defensive props. So sometimes I feel like they're just not quite sure. They don't actually, I shouldn't say that. They don't spend quite as much time uh, putting these numbers together. And, and one, I, I think there's one here that looks really good, even if you are uh, laying uh, minus 140, a little bit more juice than I might like. And that's uh, Robert Williams to get over one and a half blocks in the game. Uh, okay. He's done that in both games in this series. He did it in five or six games against the Heat. He did it all three games against the Bucks. He's a blocking machine. That's what he does. That's one of the big reasons he's out there on the court. Um, and I don't see that changing in this game. I can see that continuing, getting at least two blocks. And so even though there is a little bit of juice to be laid, I don't mind laying it here at all. So give me over one and a half blocks from Robert Williams. All right. I actually, I, I was unaware of that. But the, the math you do makes me say, I, I hate agreeing with you, but I have no choice but to say, yeah, that sounds like a pretty good bet to make on Robert Williams. All right. Very good. Remind everybody what's going on out at uh, VEASAN. Uh, you can, of course, check out all of our information over at VEASAN.com, and you can sign up. Not just for our daily newsletter, but you can sign up with our $39 deal, which lasts all summer long. That's everything that you'll have pretty soon. Of course, we're going to have uh, the Points Red Weekly coming out this week, which will have Belmont odds. And uh, after that, we'll have NBA draft and every other big event of this summer having special guides. And you'll get uh, any newsletter, any odds that are available. So you can check that out at VEASAN.com and just $39 deal. All right. At the Aoster on Twitter is how you follow him. Appreciate you, pal. We'll talk to you next Tuesday, all right? Hope everyone catches some bets this week. Very good. That's Aaron Oster from out in Vegas at VEASAN joining us here on Simply the Bets. When we come back in, we're going to head down to Hanover, wander into the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland, and talk to our guy, the assistant general manager, of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. He is Leon Twyman. He joins us next. This is Simply the Bets. Are you ready, soccer fans? This summer, the English Premier League returns to Baltimore. Arsenal, Everton, square off in the Charm City match, July 16th, under the lights at M&T Bank Stadium, home of the Baltimore Ravens. This is your only opportunity to take in a Premier League match this summer in the Mid-Atlantic region. Individual and group tickets are on sale at BaltimoreRavens.com. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. PressBox is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com that first sip that first bite Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hey, be more. Orioles 2022 Birdland Summer Music Series presented by Miller Lite kicks off Friday, June 17th with Flowrider. 
After the O's take on the Tampa Bay Rays, stay for the post-game concert and watch Flo Rida perform live from the infield. The concert is free to all fans who attend the game, with the option to add special on-field access. With hit singles like My House and his latest single, Wait, what better way to watch Flo Rida perform live at Camden Yards on June 17th? Buy tickets now at Orioles.com music. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fendel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. Don't forget that full episodes of the show are available for free on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. But warning, you get what you pay for. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on uh, Simply the Bets, actually, uh, which we do every Tuesday. Here um, after GCR, it's brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, which, as always, is the place to be for uh, Games 3 and Games 4 of the NBA Finals. Just want to update the actual odds for the Finals. After the two games in San Francisco were split, the Celtics are now the betting favorite at minus one. Oh, sorry, take that back. Scratch it, flip it, reverse it. The Warriors remain the betting favorite slightly at minus 115. Slight betting favorite. And maybe more about the money that's come in. The Celtics minus 105. Warriors minus 115. Celtics minus 105 for the rest of the series. Steph Curry still the favorite to be series MVP at minus 115. Jason Tatum, however, that number has moved significantly. He's plus 140 because, again, the odds have gotten far more even as to which team will win the series. Jalen Brown at plus 750. Still lots and lots and lots of prop bets available. Let's talk more about that with our buddy Leon Twyman, the assistant general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Leon, what's going on, pal? How are you? Hey, I'm good. I actually have some good news for you. Oh? So, I'm officially the GM of oh, Sportsbook now. Hey! When we, uh, when we getting together to pop some bottles, my friend, when we doing that? <laughs> we'll well, have to do that. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. I'm very excited for <laughs> you. Leon Twyman, well, we got, now how do I, do I address you as sir now? Like, how does this work? Do I have to salute <laughs> when we do events down in the Vandal Sportsbook? Like, what are the new rules um, oh man, like I'm just 
I'm cool with being called Leon. All right, all right, we'll <laughs> go with that. Well, Leon, that's awesome, man. Very happy for you. Congratulations on uh, that elevation, and we will make sure we get that right moving forward, that we address it appropriately. <laughs> um, how the crowd's been for the first couple games of the finals? Uh, actually, really good. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy because the crowds come in so late. So, you know, the other day we did a nice little uh, watch party, and we were hoping some people would come in and and join us for the watch party. We had some free food and drinks and whatnot going on, and you know, the closer we're getting to the game, it was getting a little scary. We're like, okay, are people going to show up? What's going on? And then just out of nowhere, there's just a burst of people, lines at the kiosk, lines yeah, at the counter. Yeah, they know. Yeah. And it was just insane. It was like 10 minutes before the game tipped off. They know exactly. They know exactly when these games begin, and they're going to be there at the exact moment that they start. Well, that's great. Again, remind everybody, email events at sportssocialmd.com if you want to reserve your spots for games three or four on Wednesday and Friday night this week. Leon, where's the action coming in as far as the finals are concerned? You know, honestly, this this past week, we've been seeing a lot of action on Boston. Yeah. Was that was that before game one or was that after game one? That was after game one. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense, right? All of a sudden, the Celtics win. They steal home court advantage, and everybody says, well, holy crap, right? Like, if they can do what they did in the fourth quarter, they can beat anybody. Yep. That, but that that's the, still the eternal question about this series. I mean, I'm in a weird spot where I feel like I don't know anything about this series two games in because – they, the Celtics won a game with Jason Tatum not even playing all that well. Um, they, If they get Al Horford and Derek White to contribute the way they did in game one, they're going to be in great shape. But can they count on that moving forward? I don't, I don't know. And on the same time, at the same time, the Warriors, who had completely lost Jordan Poole, like he was... He was on a milk carton somewhere. Suddenly comes back with a vengeance for game two. Is If Jordan Poole's going to be a significant contributor, you feel good about the Warriors, but is he going to? I just don't know. I genuinely am sort of put – I think it makes sense that the odds are about where they are at minus 115 and minus 105 because I genuinely believe this is largely a crapshoot series. Oh, it definitely is. It, it's just crazy right now at this point. Um, you know, We're going to see a lot of money coming in in Boston, but I, I feel like this is definitely going to be – uh, seven game series, and I'm I'm looking forward to Game Seven if that's a possibility. What um what are the what are the props that get the most action? Like what are the the you know as we talk about there are an infinite number of of additional bets that are available and fun sort of parlays that have been created, and you can still bet all those things that like involve one of the teams winning the series because again there is not significant confidence about who's winning the series. Um, right. So, so I, like, for example, I bet the parlay, I did the Steph Curry uh, to average 25 points a game and the Warriors to win the series. Well, two games in, I feel really good about the Steph Curry part of it, right? Um, what, what props have you seen a lot of action come in on? You know, honestly, we're seeing just a lot of um, series spread bets. Okay. Um, you know, I had someone in here a couple days ago just hammering right now on – Boston minus uh, one and a half on on the series still, um, so we're seeing a lot of action on series spreads. But you know when it comes to the actual games, people are loving like the quarter bets. They're loving first quarter, second quarter bets. Like it's it's pretty crazy. By the way, you can still get plus money on a seven game series. I like yeah. that. I like that a lot. Was it like plus one forty or something? Yeah, plus one forty on a seven. And I get it, right? Because you know who knows. Right now, the the one it's plus two eighty on five games, which 
at, to, to bet on one of these teams winning the next three games in this series seems crazy to me, right? Like, right. so I actually think that number should be even bigger than plus two eighty. Uh, but I get it; I understand why it works that way. Six games, I I like because there definitely is that feel that like the teams could go split the two games in Boston. And whoever wins Game 5 is in great shape, especially if it's Boston that manages to win Game 5 in San Francisco. Now they're in great shape to try to win the series in six. Six games is plus 135, so that's the favorite at this point. But plus 140 on a seven-game series, ah, that's that, that sounds kind of juicy to me, Leon. Yeah, definitely. And then how about the, uh, the series-correct win order? That's pretty interesting. Okay, so <laughs> this, like... This is actually insane to me <laughs> that, that somebody's trying to bet this. You are literally picking exactly who's going to win which game. And oddly, the, the favorite appears to be that Boston or Golden State wins all of the next games. So picking yeah. Boston to win the next three is plus 600. Picking Golden State to win the next three is plus 650. There is the, if you pick Boston-Boston, uh, Golden State-Boston, so essentially Boston and six, that becomes plus 650. No scenario where the teams split the two games in Boston is giving you, you know, it, it, it is any scenario that involves picking that, you're going to get plus 1,000 odds or better. And I think that's the most likely thing that's going to play out. Now, it's just the problem, Leon, being I can't guess which team is winning, winning which. I can't guess if it's Golden State winning game three and Boston winning game four. Like, I, that's the part that struggles. But if you, can, if you can figure it out and decipher it, there is a lot of money to be made. Oh, yeah, definitely a lot of money. It's crazy. There's so money out there right now if you can guess that. Um, it's worth dipping your toes in the water. Worth at least giving it a shot at those prices. Leon Twyman, <laughs> the general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel is with us here on Simply the Bets. All right, Leon, well, what else? What else are you seeing action come in on uh, over the course of the last week? Um, I know there was the Devin Haney fight on Saturday night. Um, we kind of don't have, have like a big fight for another, another little bit. Um, what else are you seeing the action come in on? Right now we got the, the lot of action on the Stanley Cup. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people just hammering Avalanche right now. I mean, they, they look... They're so, so loaded. <laughs> there, there's just so much there, man. Like you, it's hard to figure out how either New York or or Tampa is going to be able to stop them. What are the what are the? I mean, obviously they've got to be significant favorites because we don't even know who they're going to be going up against. Um, what are the odds right now for the Avalanche? For them to outwin, uh, to outright win the uh, Stanley Cup is minus two thirty right now. And so I and I'm. Real- no money involved. <laughs> I'm guessing that that number will, like, once we get, you know, because there's still three teams involved and they're one of the three teams, I get, I'm get. i guessing that when we get the winner of the Eastern Conference, that number will come back a little, right? Like, I'm thinking it'll probably be in the neighborhood of, like, minus 190. But Yeah, I think it'll drop a little. I, yeah, I still think the Avalanche are going to be favored, not significantly, but, like, notably favored to win the Stanley Cup no matter who they play in the finals. Is there any sort of bizarro bet? We always like to run this by you, Leon. (laughs) Is there any action that you've taken this week that you've said to yourself, what in the living hell is this person doing? Has there been one that you've seen pop up that you've just said to yourself, I I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. You know... (laughs) The other day, we actually had someone uh, betting baseball, 
and I can't exactly remember which team we're playing, but all I know is that he dropped $8,000 on plus eight fifty for the team to come back and win. And, I mean, he's just – he was just – Hammering things. He was chasing money like crazy. Is is Floyd Mayweather making appearances at the FanDuel Sportsbook <laughs> at Live Casino and Hotel? Like, what? who has that money to make that bet? Just insane. And, you know, he, he went down a significant amount that night. Um, you know, somewhere in like the 70000 range. So oh. He, oh. He was chasing. Oh. <laughs> it's someone that might need a hug on the way out. You might need to give that person a hug. This is a good question that comes in from Chris. Chris says, uh, Glenn, can you find out if uh, FanDuel is going to be offering betting on the Live Golf Tour, which is the new golf tour that has an event this weekend uh, in London that um, is so controversial, but Phil Mickelson is going to be playing in, and Dustin Johnson, do you know if you guys are going to be offering odds on the Live Golf Tour yet, Leon? You know, I'm not sure just yet. I know Maryland regulations are pretty hard for um, So we didn't even have the match, unfortunately. That was that was a killer, too. Oh, so, the, the, the the football players playing golf last week. Yeah, you you, weren't able, you didn't have odds for that. No. So we uh, we would have to reach out to our traders uh, on FanDuel's side and see if that's something that Maryland is able to bet on. To be fair, to be fair... These are actually golfers that are participating in these events. Right. <laughs> it's not quarterbacks who are participating in them. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. There's some, some hankiness involved, of course, because of the Saudi Arabian government. So I don't know how, uh, how all of that will be handled. And then, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's Belmont week. Unfortunately, you guys, I'm assuming you guys will be showing the Belmont on Saturday. Unfortunately, people just won't be able to bet on it, correct? That is correct. So, uh, we will definitely be showing that. If you if no betting, yep. If you are getting your bets in somewhere else, and you know we get it, um, you can do that. You just you, you can't bet on it in the FanDuel Sportsbook, but you will be able to watch it on the 100 foot media wall right there in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Anything else that should be on people's radars uh, throughout the course of this week, Leon? You know we got some uh, UFC coming up this weekend, so it's going to be a. Uh, a heavy Saturday night. So definitely get those bets in, get those reservations in for tables and seats because we do fill up like crazy. All right, that's the Glover Teixeira fight on Saturday night, UFC 275. Reserve your spot right now, again, by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. So you've got your table for your group. You've got the reclining chairs for you and your friends to be able to hang out in. Make sure you got it reserved. Email events at sportssocialmd.com. Uh, your honor, or the honorable one, or whatever it is that we're going to say moving forward. Uh, Leon, seriously, man, uh, major congratulations. Uh, that's awesome. Look forward to working with you more. Uh, continue to do this, but working with you more for events in the future. Appreciate you as always, my friend. We'll talk to you next Tuesday, all right? Yes, sir. I appreciate that. Leon Twyman, now the general manager, it is official, of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel appreciate him hopping on with us for Simply the Bets today. Um, I was trying to pull up the fights for Saturday. Glover Teixeira, plus 164 against Yuri Prochazka at minus 215 in the main event of UFC 275 on Saturday night. So that is another big event that you can get your bets in on. 
Um, as far as the Eastern Conference Finals are concerned, the Rangers are still slight favorites with the 2-1 series lead. I imagine if Tampa wins at home tonight, that gets basically back to being 50-50. I know that New York would still have home ice advantage for the rest of the series, but I'm going to bet that if Tampa wins tonight, that looks far more like the NBA Finals odds currently look, um, where it's like both teams right around minus 105-115. But at the moment, the Rangers still minus 140, the Lightning plus 120. So if you're like me and you're buying in on the Lightning before the playoffs started... I'm still willing to dip my toes there. I'm still willing to dip my toes back into the water with the Lightning to win this series too, despite falling behind 2-0. They they've just they are so battle tested that it's hard for me to think that they're going to panic. Um, and they didn't. They fell behind 2-0. They came right back and won Game Three. We'll see how it goes with Game Four tonight. But right now, the Lightning plus 120 to win the Eastern Conference. Now, you have you done a tidbit before? Yeah. We? Okay. Yeah, I did right. one uh, I yeah, I never a long time ago, two weeks ago. Yeah. Griffin uh, is back with us uh, here this week for Simply the Bets, and he has taken over tidbit responsibilities, trying to find something that's happened in the world of betting that is particularly relevant. Griffin, what did you find for us this week? Uh, so Leon mentioned something about a baseball better get, getting their team uh, live at really high uh, plus odds. Yes, um, but, so but I, he mentioned that he, this person lost. It was right, not yeah, a good yeah. night so for this person. So this person, uh, they didn't put you know thousands of dollars like it, Leon said that his uh, his better put on, but someone live bet the Phillies on Sunday afternoon. They got them at plus 980 before you know Harper. What, you know what the story was in the game at that point? Um, I'm sure they were down because they were down. I don't know. How, how much were they down at one point? I don't know. That was why I I'm asked say, you. I'm it's assuming, your tidbit. Yeah, I know. All right? Just just saying, in the future. I can find th- out. This, this makes it. Well, I don't want to bring us to screeching halt. Just saying, this well, is what quick. really makes a tidbit is if you have all of the information to be able to provide because I certainly was not watching the Phillies game. And I don't know what the circumstances were. They were down by four at one point. Um, this bet was made at 5.30, so I'm guessing it was before uh, Bryce Harper hit his grand slam. I don't know why they... Uh, uh, so Bryce would, Harper gr- hit so? a grand slam um, that I'm sure everyone saw as they were down 6-2, to two, um, and then they, they eventually went on the win. So they turned $40 into 450 by mm. live betting the Phillies. Mm. Yeah. F- they turned... Four, they, wait, say they, that one more time. They, they turned bet $400... Forty dollars. Forty dollars into, into four hundred fifty. Right. Yeah. I mean that's pretty good. It's a decent day. Yeah. It's no, de- no, it's unit, nothing, no it's unit nothing, shaming over here. It's nothing crazy. It's nothing like turning into a hundred thousand dollars. But it's a decent. That is certainly a decent payoff on a forty dollar bet. There is no question about. All right. And then that. we also have one from last October, and someone parlayed the Braves to win the World Series at plus one thirty. Then they also bet the Rams to win the Super Bowl at plus eight hundred, and they got the Warriors to win the finals at plus one thousand. So that was a that's a plus twenty two thousand so, plus twenty two thousand five hundred uh, twenty so two so I'd, I'd have to think about what the payout would be right now be a hundred oh like what, no, to cash no, out it, the cash yeah, out yeah to option? cash it out it because if, if you put a hundred dollars you would win twenty two and a half grand so so the cash out at the moment it's probably in the neighborhood of it being one one it's probably in the neighborhood of ten ten eleven grand ten grand something like that. Just because, like, if the Warriors were to win Game Three, that number might move up closer to like fifteen thousand dollars. But they'd be up two one in the series, and so you'd say to yourself, "They're only two wins away. Why would I sell the ticket?" Right? Like, right. That's t- 
tough. That is tough. I I don't know. I'd have to know what the number is in order to have a, a, a better. I typically am the guy that would be cashing out. I am typically the guy, or at least you looking, say you love the thrill. On, I man. love the thrill, but once you're talking about numbers that big, yeah. like yeah. I, if yeah. I have the opportunity to make that big of a number, just give me give me the money, make, give me the assurances. And it's not just the cash out; it's the can you sell the ticket to somebody else? Is there a Warriors fan? Mm who's all in that would buy that ticket from you for $15,000 because it right. could make them another seven. Like they could still profit $7,000 and they're so invested in it. They're so excited about it that they say to themselves, I, I want to go for the ride. Right now somebody would say, well, why don't you just buy your own ticket? Fair. Right. Like fair. But I don't know. You'd have to, I'd at least be looking for someone that might have an interest in purchasing that ticket. Uh, quickly, Belmont odds are up, and again, unfortunately, you I got can't. one more good one if you want. All right, one more good. Quick, okay. go so, ahead. So, better did the research on a uh, Golden State in the final in finals games two game twos over mm-hmm. the last their last four appearances. Uh, so they lost by two points, and they're like fourth appearance ago. They won by thirty three, then they won by nineteen, and then they won by nineteen again. These are all in Warriors game twos. Yes, in the finals. So someone uh put someone got the bet. They uh got Warriors to win by nineteen. On Sunday night, and they did. Oh, do we so know? They, do we know what they put in? Uh, someone put someone put a dollar on it, and so they made fifty dollars. Yeah, I was uh, gonna say. Somebody, yeah, and then somebody also put twenty five bucks on it, and they made twelve hundred. There you go. Yeah. That's that is doing research. Um, eight horses in the field for the Belmont. Again, unfortunately, you can't bet in the FanDuel Sportsbook, but you can watch the race for what it's worth. Uh, here's the order: We the People, two to one. Your morning line favorite draws the inside post. Uh, Skippy Longstocking uh, at twenty to one, then Nest at eight to one. Rich Strike, the Kentucky Derby winner, back for the Belmont, the fourth post, seven to two, the third favorite in the Belmont. Then Creative Minister uh, at six to one in the fifth spot in the sixth post. Mo Donegal, the second favorite at five to two. Golden Glider in the seventh post at twenty to one. Barber Road in the eighth post at ten to one. The draw in and the odds out for the Belmont Stakes on Saturday. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Simply the Bets. Thanks to Aaron Oster out in Vegas. Thanks to Leon Twyman. Now the general manager, Mr. Manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. No uh, weekend at bookies this week, so we will see you next Tuesday at 1140 for the next Simply the Bets. In the meantime, may the odds be ever in your favor.